What's up, guys? We're back with another podcast episode today. Uh, we have another guest, and he is one of the best content creators in the game. Started a journey to go from never playing to pro in 12 months. Currently has less subscribers than me on YouTube, but probably by the end of this has more than me. Welcome, <laughs> Kyle Kazuda or that pickleball guy. And what a wonderful intro. But before we even get started, can we talk like, can we all do an impersonation of Chris's What's Up, guys? <laughs> can yeah. Will and I just go back and forth? Let's, I'll rank you guys. Okay, you give it to us one more time so I can hear it. Okay, ready? Go. What's up, guys? <laughs> What's up, guys? This <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> What's up, guys? Okay, see, here's what I find very funny about everyone's impersonation of my what's up, guys. I have never once in my life thought of my voice as nasally, but ever since I have met you, James, Kyle, everyone, everyone yeah. defaults to the nasal. So I'm like, it must be a thing. <laughs> no, like, it's, that's it's just definitely a thing. My, my girlfriend said this. He was like, oh, gosh, how can you listen to him? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, when, I remember when I was, I think I listened to James do your podcast. I was in the background. Yeah. I don't know if you guys did him on the podcast doing this, but he put his hands over his nose. He's like, what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah. What's no. up, guys? Another paddle review here. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I think the, the difference in how you believe you're perceived Versus how you're actually perceived is just very different. No, I love listening to my voice. <laughs> I believe that, though. I believe that. Is that why you talk so much, Kyle? Oh, God. Uh, moving on. He, this, talk, he, this, he talks this, to himself. Is this video or just... We're, we're on video, right? Oh, yeah. Not just audio. Oh, yeah. That's everything. I can't, wait, the to, whole nine yards. can't wait to watch. <laughs> He's going to listen to his voice for two oh, hours. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, Kyle, there are a lot of people who probably listen to the podcast, don't know your background. So I doubt the, it. The, the <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd say I have more followers than you, so don't worry about it. But I, I'd like to just talk about specifically your former sports background. We'll get through kind of your whole background, but I know you used to play basketball. Just kind of walk us through that. Like, was it from a kid up to what age? Like, what did that whole thing look like? I think so. Yeah, great question. I started playing basketball probably when I was four, and I, I played basketball, soccer, Dang. Four? Four, That's yeah. Young. I don't even think I was able to walk until I was like six. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> no, I, uh, but I, I started playing around four and I played basketball, soccer, tennis. I played t-ball, but realized baseball is a horrible sport. So I immediately got rid of that. And then when I got to middle school, basketball and soccer coincided the same season. So I just played basketball and tennis. And then when I got to ninth grade, I was still playing basketball and tennis. Played one year of high school tennis um, in ninth grade. And that was the last time I played tennis pretty much. And then I played basketball through high school. I played basketball in AU travel scene. And then played basketball into college. Played four years college basketball. Um, the only other thing I didn't mention was I did play pretty competitive ping pong with my brother. We had a table growing up. And I remember mm. like every week I was like, mom, like, can we find a ping pong tournament somewhere? And she's like, well, Kyle, look it up. And she was like, look it up. And I grew up in Florida and there'd be like, like 80 plus ping pong tournaments. <laughs> and I, I wanted nothing more than to go to one of those tournaments. My mom, we were just like, did you end up? Go no, I or? never did. I mean, that's, that was I whole, think you would have got smoked. I would have got smoked because I know like those 80 year olds, it's like, it's like pickleball. First yeah. time I ever played pickleball, I was yeah. playing with a uh, guy named like, uh, his name is Jim and we're on the court and he's, he was 80 plus. And like, it's this common story. So yeah. many people have this story. You go out there and you're like, what's up, Jim? Um, I turn to my partner. I'm like, this guy's going to be trash. Like, I'm going to take it easy on him. <laughs> Ping pong is definitely one of those sports where if you see it live and a professional level, it is kind of mind blowing how fast that ball is moving. Like yeah. when you're in person, it's crazy. I think if you watch all the racket sports, 
in tennis, person. pickleball, uh, table tennis, and you know maybe some of the other ones that are kind of yeah, in between everything. Yeah, racquetball, squash. Uh, yeah, badminton. Badminton for I sure. I think table tennis probably looks the most impressive to the average person. Yeah, yeah. You're just because like, it's so fast, and you can you like tennis. It's hard to understand how quick that ball is moving on the screen. Pickleball, it's even worse. Yeah, table tennis, it's like the ball's just flying all the time. Yeah, it looks so fast already on screen, and then in person, it's just like mind blowing. But have you guys ever seen speed chess? <laughs> like the yeah. one that, that's fast <laughs> yeah. i played it the other day and i was like i'm trying to like work on my mental game and pick i mean ball. i don't know you're talking to a world-class speed cuber here i mean I, when i see the point. blur of those colors going around i'm like and then it just solved i was like no you you totally took that apart and put it back together and you somehow like sped it up in time lapsed or something <laughs> because you life. tricked my eye yeah because like, there's no way that that happened Pe- in five seconds people don't know that about you but like, you, uh, chris's ted talk I listened to the other day and like you're an unbelievably world-class speed cuber you could take a rubik's cube and do it in like five seconds i mean like not many people can say they're, they're the best in the world at something which is fascinating to me and i didn't even know that for a long time um it still kind of blows my mind that you're the best in the world at something <laughs> but, but, but i'm inspired P- pickleball's by next pickleball's next if you think i didn't start on speed cubing as a three five yeah you're wrong yeah, we, all, we all start horribly but but i mean basically I, I played basketball that was my main sport my whole life and I grew up just loving the game, studying the game. I love my, my main thing was I would shoot threes. I right. ran around and shoot. And like JJ Reddick was my favorite player. Um, Steve Nash was one of my favorite players. Steven and Nash. so I just, I mean, like I am now obsessed with the game of pickleball, I just was obsessed with basketball hmm. and all the way through college. And then even after I was done, after I finished my career, I probably didn't play basketball for like two years. It's probably one of those like, I'm kind of done with it situations. Yeah. But then I got back into it and I was playing like three, four, five days a week, three on three, four on four. And all of a sudden, I decided I was going to take pickleball more seriously. And the day that I decided to take pickleball more seriously, which was, I believe it was December 11th, 2021. I just, it's my first Instagram post ever, if you go back and look, because I, I made the commitment of like, I'm going to take this seriously. I completely stopped playing basketball. Wow. Like, I just stopped going and playing three on three. And my buddies were like, dude, come on, come play with us. I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm serious about pickleball now, so I'm going to stop. Do you have a fairly <laughs> obsessive personality? The most. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you're very similar to me because when I got in, I was phasing out of speed cubing before I got into pickleball. I was just in a weird stage of life before I got into pickleball. But as soon as I got into pickleball, basically I was like done. Okay, I was like, that sealed the deal. So let me ask you a question then, because this might reveal something about myself, um, or I can learn from it. When you start something new. Do you feel like you want to be the very, very best at it? Like no one ever was? I feel like if I'm not going to be the best or at least giving full effort, it's pointless. Okay. That's that's similar to me. Like if I'm all in on something like pickleball right now, like I want to be the best possible player I can be and I want to be one of the best players. And I mean, that's just like how I think about the world or content. Like I want to... It's not necessarily that I want to be, be I want to be better than both of you, like big time. But like, <laughs> you still got a long ways to go. <laughs> a long ways to go. But I, I but I just have like a, I definitely have an all-in kind of addictive personality that mm. um, I get obsessed with something. Like for a long time, I was obsessed with comedy. I was I got obsessed with comedy for like three years, where I was I would literally watch a Netflix special. Like I would go and like watch Ellen DeGeneres do her special, and I would download. You could for a while. I think you can still can. I would download the transcripts of their Netflix specials and I would like read them as I listened. Cause like, the, I mean, if you ever watch a stand up comedian, like, and you guys know, you just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable the structure of their performance, but you would never understand that. I mean, you just, you, you feel the outcome when you watch comedy, you're like right. laughing. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when you break it down you're like, this is brilliant. This is literally art. And yeah. So like, it's like gonna, writing a novel or yeah. Yeah. The way that it's structured, it's like writing a thesis. It's 
yeah, it's very, uh, what's the word, curated or I guess almost like planned out. But also at the same time, I think what's fascinating to me about uh, performers and you know comedy performers in general is that they always leave room for, I guess, uh, uh, innovation or uh, just to like go off the cusp, like you know, to oh. to, to go around, you know, to be adaptive. In yeah. the performances, right? Because as structured as it is, they leave space for that, and they know when the routine can branch off into different directions, you yeah. know. And then recognizing when I think to do that and to branch off from the script is, I think, the most impressive skill that like you know live performers have. Yeah, I mean, if you like, if you don't follow Pickleball Will on Instagram, you should follow Pickleball Will. But the video that you did, <laughs> the video you did with James, that because you're because you, everything you just said, you're really good at. And like when you did that, we did this little bit with James. Um, us three went to Nashville and did a and did a little uh, just content stuff with James Nadwich and yeah. and like you did that video where um, you have to go watch the video but essentially every the principles of what you just said like creating the structure and allowing I think in Ted Lasso it was like let's plan for 80% and re- leave room for God, God. yeah right? it was like a brilliant that's, line that's, for that's Ted really right the same thing in, in comedy I think and um so so anyway, but I, I got obsessed with that for like three mm. years, and I was. Well, it's doing, amazing to me that you got obsessed and with I'm not comedy funny. and still and I'm aren't not funny. funny. <laughs> See, you know, I tried to cut We're your laughing. joke off. I tried to cut your joke off because I was like, I knew where you were going because you're not funny. Okay, <laughs> don't spit your coke out. And so, uh, <laughs> so funny. But but that's kind of how. I mean, I did probably three years of like I was reading all the comedy books. I was taking improv classes. I was going to improv show, and I was living in Orlando. And Orlando has incredible comedy. Did not and know I, that. Yeah, and, and there's just one comedy place called um, Sack Comedy Lab, S A K. And I just took classes there. I happened to be working a job with a, a comedian. He's a professional improviser. He's been in movies. His name's Richard Paul. And Richard and I, I mean, just the, the different lives you live. Like I'm 29 now, and you know, I mean, you're, you're still just a little young child. But me and Will, me and Will understand. Yeah, we've seen some things. Me and Will don't know it. It's just still growing up. At but, least I still have upside. I'm not <laughs> the hell. It's all downhill for me. Well played, well played. But uh, Richard, so I got immersed because I'm working this new job. I was working in a hospital, and Richard is a professional comedian. And so I'm like getting. I had just taken an improv class in college, and I graduated college, and I'm working with with Richard in this job. And every day we just are like freestyle rapping and like talking improv and like like just goofing around. Can and you so, post some of your freestyles? Because in the car and whatnot, when I'm with you, it's it's actually pretty funny. I should record more of these, but they just come off and I'm not ready. And it's I'm like, just there well, to listen to it. I, so so I do like to free. I'm not like I'm not great or anything. I just like to do it more as a mental thing. And mm. so I like a mental, uh, I guess, exercise. exercise. Yeah. And so in the car, a lot of times, like if I go on a road trip, I have three different things. I, I listen to music first. And then I listen to a podcast and then I get a little bit tired by that point. It's like three hours in and mm-hmm. then I will start freestyling and I'll just be like going at it loud. <laughs> but it is a way for me to sharpen my mind. Yeah. Because, keep it elastic. Yeah. And just like a rhythmic thing. And I love words. And so I'm like just trying to figure out like there's this guy named Harry Mack on Instagram. Have you ever seen this guy before? Mm-hmm. I mean, you should go look this guy up on Instagram. He is unbelievable. He just says freestyle. He goes on the streets. He has a, a little boom box with him. And he's like, hey, can I freestyle for you guys? And he'll just get a group together. And it's like a beautiful example of crowd work where he just gets like 20 people and he's just freestyling. And I'm just like, what is going How did he just <laughs> rhyme like a four-inch door hinge with whatever? Orange, you know what I mean? Like, like, I'm like, that's unbelievable. That's interesting you say that about the freestyle that keeps your mind elastic because I think a lot of, especially in the racket sports we play, it's very rhythmic. And I mean, I don't know, in the video games I play and the things I like to do, yeah, I find that the rhythmic things like really help. What do you find rhythmic and pickleball? Like how would you, yeah. <laughs> I would say just like the dinking, I would say in the rallies or whatnot and the way that I move in my footwork, it, now that I think about it, it goes to, there's like a song or something like that's playing in my head. That's probably why I listen to certain hype songs like before I go into a match or whatnot. 
right? Just to get a flow. Because if I'm if I'm flowing well, I'm moving well. If I'm and usually if you're moving well, you're playing well. And I don't know, I think it's the same for a lot of sports and why a lot of athletes probably listen to some sort of song or something, you know, to kind of get them pumped up. Oh, okay. Well, can I go on a side note real quick? Yeah. Okay. There, uh, I'm reading this book. My friend Nico um, recommended it to me. It's called The Art of Learning. And um, I've, I've read a lot of like learning and brain books over the years, mm-hmm. I think like a lot of us have, but this one has been really interesting. Basically, the guy who wrote the book, he's an, he's an unbelievable writer, so the book is well-written. And he was a grandmaster, one of the best chess players. There's a movie that, you guys know the movie that, uh, is a chess movie, Finding, oh gosh. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> Somebody who's listening right now is like, they're totally know it and they're yelling it in their car right yes, now. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Someone's told me about yeah, it. Yeah, so, so anyway, he's the, he's the guy the movie was based off of. Yeah. Um, and if you go look up The Art of Learning, you'll see the author. That's the guy. So he became a, a world-class chess player. And then he ended up taking the same principles of how he got good at chess. And he applied them to different like jujitsu. And I, I'm actually not finished with the book yet. But there's um, just other uh, things that he used his training to become great at. And... Um, one of the things to go back to your point about mm-hmm. like music that people listen to, he was talking about flow and like, yeah. there's like flow state, like me had chick me I think his name is, is the guy that is like kind of popularized and talked Josh about. Josh Waitskin. Yeah. Josh, yeah. Oh, Waitskin. That's Waitskin. the one. Yeah. And, um, so this flow state, I mean the, the gist of it, most of us know what it is, but it's hard to get there. Is like, you're in the moment, you know, like in, for basketball, it was like, I remember a game. You're in like, the zone. You're in the zone. You hit like eight threes in a row. No matter, you touch the ball, you shoot it from anywhere. It's going in. It's like yeah. nothing can go wrong. Yeah. And typically you can't get in that zone for. I mean, more than like seven or eight minutes at times. In basketball, that's kind of how it was. Because then mm-hmm. there's like a break in the action. There's a timeout. The quarter's over. It's halftime. The game's over. Whatever. That's why people call timeouts. Right. And, yeah. and it's true, right? You get in the zone. You got to like break the, the 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 flow a little bit. So, but the whole this whole conversation is like, how do you get yourself into the flow? And so mm-hmm. he, there's different techniques and, and ways. But one of the things he was talking about was he gave this guy who was struggling and he was doing mental training with him and he was talking about how to get into the flow. And so he had him like choose a song. Well, first he asked him a question. He said, um, like, where do you feel like you're most calm? And he was like, well, when I'm with my son throwing a football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, okay. And then he's like, well, is there a song that you like to listen to when you guys are together or when you're by yourself and you want to feel calm? And he, he gave a song. And so anyway, he built it. And I'm not doing the whole technique justice, not to go back to the book and, 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 and say it, but he just said, get that song in your head. Um, or excuse me, get that song in your earphones and listen to it before you go perform. It was like jujitsu that this guy was doing, right? And take your mind back to that moment with your son to calm your brain. And then, and there's all these connections. And, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. That makes sense. No, there's like a network of like synapses, right? Yeah. So like if you have a song that you've played or that it makes you feel a certain way, it, uh, that provides confidence or like, you know, you think about your son, you're playing football because that moment in time brings confidence. So if you think about that moment in time, it reminds your body like mentally and physically that you're in that, that state again. So if you can recreate that state again and associate with the different, I guess, cues, then you can more easily get into that state, yeah. which is the theory like behind it. And yeah. It's, it's so hard though. I mean, pickleball and even just training, I trained this morning the number one killer for me in my training is laziness and lack of focus. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're like me and I was training with my buddy Craig and we're like 20 minutes in and we're like, boom, boom, pop, pop, pop. Then we take a little water break and we come back and I go like 10 minutes of just like, I, I can't make a third. I can't hit a reset. Yeah. I dinkle every ball into the net and I'm just like, and, and we're in this indoor facility and there's some people around. So I want to act cool and tough. So I'm like slamming balls and like breaking paddles <laughs> and stuff. And so and people are looking at me and like, that guy cares so much. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care at all. <laughs> you just bring the intensity yeah. because I guess when you're training and practice, right, you're going like 110%. But usually when you go compete because there's so many other factors, 
like typically you're only like half as good as you are right yeah. in in practice yeah. right it's, so you just got to be try to you have to try try to train the same way that you play um which is just so hard you just got and that's why it's important like who you train with cuz like my buddy Craig is intense and he trains hard and he gives a really good ball and he challenges me. And so I train with a bunch of guys in Phoenix, but he's one of the guys I love training with because he brings that every time and he kind of brings it out of me because it's very easy to, you just like, you know, you're, if you're around really smart people, you're going to get smarter. If you're around really wealthy people, you're probably going to figure out a way to gain wealth. If you're mm-hmm. around people who are lazy, you're going to act that way. And so if I'm around my buddy Craig, right. And Craig's like raising me up, I'm, I got to raise my own level. Right. Yeah. And so so maybe um, there is hope that I won't be a three well, five. I, 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 would, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but there's an asterisk. No, to this. it doesn't apply to everyone. Not <laughs> most people it applies to. But yeah, I mean, you're going to be a three five forever. But I think the, the chance. I think for everybody listening who are in their car, like making making food at their house right now, like. It, I mean, it's, I mean, we've all heard this line. It's just a, a line that people like. You become most like the five people that you spend the most time with. I yeah. heard that when I was in high school. I've never forgotten it. It's true, and I constantly think about it. And like, okay, content, right? So yeah. I have like a pickleball crew that in Phoenix that I train with a lot. Yes, and then us three, um, Shay Underwood. Like we were kind of us four have been communicating around content for. I don't know, the last six months, Shay was the first one that ever DM me when I started making content. Yeah. And he was like, Hey dude, like, I'm making content and let's whatever you're doing phone calls. He brought your name up at one point and he was like, yeah, I talked to this guy, Chris Olson. And I looked up at your Instagram page and I'm like, this guy's like a loser. But- <laughs> no, I, no, but okay. So you know, what's actually funny about this though, because my first introduction to you was through Shay. He called me and was like, dude, have you heard of that pickleball guy? And I was like, no. And he's like, look him up. I didn't look you up. And then it came up again later at some point. And I was like, okay. Like I kind of just figured out the first time. He's like, okay, I'll go look him up. So I look him up and I watch some of your videos. And I think one of them might've been like, it was a pickle aid, like commercial that oh, you kind of made or something. That was a wonderful, it was, it was a fit aid. Fit aid, whatever it was. I watched this and my first, my genuine first thought when I watched <laughs> this was, this guy's kind of cringy. I don't like it. <laughs> and, then, and then as I got to know you, I was like, okay, he's fine. But those first few ones were rough. Oh, I really hope we're cutting to my facial expression right now. <laughs> I, I don't know the first like piece of content that I saw from Kyle. I really can't think about what it was. And the first things that come to mind when I think about you now, obviously, is the Tyson impersonation video. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure there was some content. Actually, no, it might have been... Um, it might have been like dinking everywhere with Shay. Oh, Shay! Yeah. It, it, I think I think that was my first introduction to you, and then after that, I started seeing you pop up, and I was like, okay, see what else he does. But then I was like, oh wow, yeah, Kyle's that big. Well, he's pretty funny. I do think you have. I mean, just as with anything, as you practice, you're going to get better. But I think in the you know year that I've been seeing your stuff, the improvement is drastic. Both your delivery <laughs> on camera. Like your presence on camera has just improved. I think it was <laughs> just before kind of. Uh, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Technically, you've also improved because before he was shooting in what, 1080? No, 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 he was shooting in 720. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're going to trust me. We're going to get there. Yeah, when well, we get to some of this content stuff, we're well, going to get there. I just want to make two points before we, you guys rip on me. One <laughs> is when you start at the very bottom, which I intentionally did, I started very bad on purpose. I knew that I could only go up. Right? <laughs> and so, and then the tough thing is if you do start at 3.5, like you, and you don't. Have, well, I won't even go there. But, um, but no. But but uh, for people just listening, I'm just I'm just we're just making Chris Olson jokes right now. If you're new to the pod, um, we should probably we should probably like reframe and tell people what that joke is, um, or they have to go back and listen to. No, they just got to go back and listen. They got to go back and they listen. They got to get the the origin history. Because somebody else thing is probably going to be listening, and I just said like a three five joke, and it's and they're probably going to be like, wait, I'm a three five. This guy is a total. He's like, a jerk. He's a jerk. <laughs> but really. 
I'm only making fun of you, and I'm only making fun of you because I care about you. But um, <laughs> I can go to it real quick, like because people think that it's me who started. I technically did it start it, but I definitely like proliferated that yes. joke. What's that and, word mean? Uh, like expanded upon okay. the, the joke. But basically, it was when I first reached out to Chris and we made uh, the video when I first challenged him one-on-one. And that was one of my most popular YouTube videos at the time. And somebody in the comments said this, you know what, Chris Olson came to my local course in California one time and he's like, yeah, he was, I thought he was 35 at best. And then I told him, I was like, dude, somebody thinks you're just 35 at best. And Chris was like, what? Who is this guy? So yeah, yes. I, was, I was actually like, what? Yeah. <laughs> How dare he? And then, yeah. then after that, I just kept on with the joke and, and it uh, just stuck. But, but here's the best part. So that guy that commented, I actually do know him. I met him in California right. and played with his group. I loved him. They were all super great people. But that was actually a joke amongst them yeah. is they would just tell each other all the time like dude you're 3.5 at best <laughs> and so like you know i kind of you know messed with them and then after he commented that we'll just ran with it and yeah. just like every podcast you yeah know, started now out. you've become a, a brand and marketing wizard and you're becoming extremely wealthy off 3.5 best <laughs> be careful because if if jeremy burns hears this he might start asking for royalties <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he's out there patent pending it or trademarking it, trademarking right, now. it right now i will to, to put a bow on like the original um question and brings back was you three and me have been and there's others that have definitely come in and and i think we we were tight-knit from the beginning that's why i say you three um in case someone else is like what the heck what about me yeah <laughs> and so uh i think we've made each other better in so many ways like a rising yeah. tide raises all boats and for sure and like chris you and i've talked a bunch will you and i've talked a bunch yes. shay's, not, shay's not here right now we've talked a bunch from an ideation standpoint to um, shoot. And, and I, when I made this Tyson McGuffin video, like that was one of the coolest experiences for me because I, and we can go into that video, but I just want to extrapolate one thing from it, which was I made this video and I really wanted to do it well. And so I got on the phone with you guys and like shared the script and you gave me ideas. I did, um, I did like a little like pre-shoot, like you told me to, you like yeah. film it. Right. And so <laughs> I went out with my buddies and I like, what do you call it? A pre-viz. Pre-viz. So like I took my iPhone and I just like filmed it with some friends really raw. I edited it in like 45 minutes. And then when I went and did this thing with Tyson, um, like it was so much better because you guys had given me the idea. And then I, I mean, just to keep going, like I was done with the video. I did the edit. I sent it to you guys. And I was like, can you help me? I, I, I can't figure this out. <laughs> Shay gave me an idea around the beginning and then you two were together and you guys like spent time and did like a whole re-edit. I don't even know how long, how long did it take? Not, Not long, long, like oh, okay. 10 minutes. Okay, so yeah. you just like re-edit, but you sent it back to me. It's like, oh, that makes so much more sense instead of even just, I mean, you could have just told me that, but you actually did it and showed it to me. So to make a long story longer, it's, I'm just really grateful that us four have come together and, and, and risen each other because it's not every day that you have that. It's like in yeah. pickleball, it's the same thing. You have a great, great group, which everyone doesn't because depending on where you live, you might not have mm-hmm. a similar level of play. Yeah. I am so lucky. I do here. And depending on what you do in your life and your job, you, might, you also might not have people who can sharpen you. And so I'm yeah. just really lucky. Like in my life in Phoenix, I have two, I have really, two really, really close friends here um, that sharpen me yep. you know what i mean and then like cool. content who are they yeah oh there's two guys no, don't do it, do do it? it's gonna it's gonna no. really <laughs> no i'll say i'll say right now. i mean here's what i say i say uh my two closest friends here this guy named tyler and, and jt mm-hmm. and um they're both it's interesting i have like just a lot of older friends like 
Tyler's, I think, 41. JT's 37. I've known Tyler for 10 years. JT, I've known him for actually just a couple of years, but um, his wife and, and I and Tyler worked together for a bit. And so um, just really close community. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that because, I mean, everyone doesn't have that, but I have two guys that anytime anything happens, I can count on them. And if I'm making like a business decision, I can go, I go to Tyler. Like he's like a, was a mentor for me for a long time, became my, one of my best friends. And so that's, you know, my life and you guys with content. And then, One. Yeah. Me, Will, Will said it before, and I completely agree with him, but he was saying, you know, had he not come and done the trip where we had made some content together, he doesn't know if he would still be doing YouTube. Like, he probably just... I probably would quit. Yeah, when he got yeah. a regular job. Like, if we didn't have the regular ongoing communication, I don't think I would have quit, but I think things would be far less enjoyable. I used to very much be prefer working alone. I didn't like feedback from people. I thought it just kind of got in the way and it was easier to do stuff on my own. But now having this group, one, you improve way quicker. And I think the process is just more fun when you have people to bounce things off of. I think especially when you get really deep in content creation, and I, I should have talked about this in the beginning of the podcast, if you guys made it this far. The whole <laughs> podcast is gonna focus a lot on content creation and Kyle's you know, kind of journey to pro. But along the content creation stuff, I think it can be a very lonely thing if you don't have a lot of people to bounce stuff off yeah. of mm -hmm. and you know as soon as you start feeling lonely or it's just kind of more tough it's just not fun yeah. right and i feel like this group makes it a lot more fun yeah know, to, just to make stuff like i'm more motivated to do it the idea is like people are like if i don't really feel like doing the thing right now you guys are like come on it'll just take you like five minutes and then we can go do something else well you know then, I mean? one thing to build on that and i think this is cool like i just put a youtube video out and I texted you three and mm -hmm. I was like, and I think we had done this maybe a week ago for uh, one of Shay Underwood's videos. And I was like, hey, can you guys give me some feedback on it? <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, you all three just gave me notes on something that you saw in the video to help make, make my future videos better. And, and that's really cool. And then like, or Shay, um, I love this. We have this little thing. It's kind of unspoken now, but like if I ever post a video about rules or if I ever like step on the kitchen line, uh, Shay likes to comment and be like, yo, like, all right, you you stepped in the kitchen line even though it bounced you can't do that right <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like trolling you know what i mean like it's just funny stuff and that's what keeps it light because i mean i mean you're on social media enough like people just go so hard at you oh, and yeah. they'll just like say yeah. not, not that much i mean i don't have that many haters or whatever but like people, <laughs> i don't know No, but it only takes a couple <laughs> no there's just one there's there's a couple people that in my comments i don't know what's going it's like i i think it might be a bot but it also might be a person or it might be like a a person a bot a person, person. <laughs> right. wait on your tutorial videos uh, no or? just like an instagram occasionally yeah you just get the, you know it's like weird comments it's, it's like the guy who commented on my I don't know if you saw this Instagram story of mine. It's actually probably my favorite comment I've ever seen yeah. because it was so drastic that I was like, this is just stupid. And it made me laugh. But the guy said, he said, what did he say? You are one of the worst things for this sport. May you rot in hell. Oh, God. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I totally agree. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Wait, what do you have a favorite comment that you've seen? Oh man. I don't have one favorite comment. There's just like a bunch of them. And I mean, there's just like people who just like, hate on pickleball but it's also funny of like what their tags uh -huh. are yeah um, I, mean, uh -huh. I don't know i should even mention don't, don't do it i know which one you're thinking of. Uh, okay. don't do it don't make them on <laughs> wait can you whisper it to me <laughs> we'll tell you after okay tell me after people are gonna be like no please say it everyone's like please please we're not gonna say it they no. want not that okay let me, let me share mine really fast. Attention. yeah go ahead what was your what did you say no i, I said this those those haters just want you attention. to see it intention attention, yeah right. like there's a guy um and i think it's actually cool if you go back if someone goes back and looks at finds the video or the picture it'd be funny because there's 
I think it was this 44 feet series that I did with um, James, with James, uh-huh. yeah, which, and uh, this guy, I think it was in the, in the video, a guy commented and he was like, Hey man, um, the way that I can tell that you love James because you're just like looking so deep into his soul. There's definitely a connection there or something like that. <laughs> and like, and, and like, I know that's how James looks at me, but like, I don't look at him like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I saw that, I just texted to James. And I was like, man, this is so funny. But like, that's like an example sometimes of just like the absurd like, stuff people will say, but it's probably a, a person. Honestly. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a wild time, but so I want to know, and I'm, I'm sure some people are curious. So you, I mean, basically when you decided to get into pickleball, you obviously made the Instagram account and started doing it. Did you know from that moment, okay, content is going to be a big part of this? Or why did you choose to do content at the same yeah. time? And did you do content at your former job when you were teaching? You were teaching basketball or training for basketball? Right? Yeah, I was working at this company. And I still actually will work for the company in the summers and do some summer basketball camps. It's called PGC Basketball, which was like maybe the most life-changing experience for me in my entire life. And so, I mean, shoot, if there's people listening to this pod and like they have a kid who plays basketball, pgbasketball.com, it's the best basketball camp in America. And I worked for them for five years. Um, and I also, I worked in the marketing team and social media. I would travel around and um, teach basketball. And it's like, it's summer basketball camps for dedicated players who are trying to go on and play at the next level. Mm-hmm. Classroom sessions where you're breaking down film, um, studying leader, and we're teaching leadership. And I, I was just really fortunate I had an opportunity. I get to lead a bunch of those camps. And we had 20 people like myself who would run around the country and do over 100 camps. Mm. Um, so I got just that wonderful opportunity. Then when COVID hit, our camp shut down, and we all of a sudden we shifted to online courses. And we had to. I mean, it was like that, like all of our revenue is tied up in, in camps. you know. So we're like, And we also want to serve the basketball community in another way because kids are at home. So we started doing these online courses. So I grabbed – like I was living in Phoenix. I had just started learning – you know, videography. I feel weird saying that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, take use it. that word <laughs> loosely. Kyle. I started learning how to hit play on my my phone. That's <laughs> that's accurate. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, shoot, the first time I ever shot a video, I had a Zoom H5 recorder, which is a really good like sound system, like device, like yes, it, it, audio it recorder. Audio. Yeah, yeah. And um, I didn't know you were supposed to like be checking the audio or testing it, so I literally just like plugged a lavalier mic into it, pressed start, and was like, I really hope this is recording. So <laughs> I went over. I mean, you don't know you don't know right so i went over to my buddy and i'm filming and we get back that night or that afternoon it's like hey let's let's see that footage i pull it up and there's no sound (laughs) it's like it's like it's like iphone sound but we're in lifetime fitness and like i'm 20 feet from him and so he's like he's like whispering you know basically it's like all you hear is the the lifetime fitness like balls bouncing and all of a sudden like there's a guy who's like on the court next to us who's just like i own you take that pull up it's just like all all these yeah he's dunking and like like trash talk and stuff do him like <laughs> you can't guard me like all these things and we can't hear any of what my buddy it was tyler actually i was mentioned earlier um and so yeah i don't i just got that's a that's a tough rant where were we going with that uh we we're just talking about content like yeah. how, kind of how you got into it did you have background in yeah it? so so covid accelerated it so covid came and all of a sudden i started editing filming we filmed online courses and i was behind the camera i mean i was behind the camera for three years like and i almost never and behind the camera again i was behind my iphone for like three years then eventually i got a camera um and i started learning how to use a camera you can tell a story about that in a second because that was a disaster. But, um, <laughs> I but, believe it. No, but I mean, so I, I accelerated because I like I was never in front doing the teaching. My front, my buddy Tyler is like he's an world class like speaker, teacher, presenter, and so he could get up in front of the camera and do a thirty minute talk and just go start to finish like no stops, and it's just like perfect. And there's a couple of things, right? And so I was filming him. I was doing edits in Final Cut Pro, and we were turning this thing into an online course. And I did that for like twelve hours a day for like 
two or three months. Dang. So and you it put was, in the reps. Oh man. And it was just by necessity. Cause like I was, it was like, all right, uh, what do we do? Do we hire somebody? I'm like, I think I can do it. And me and my other buddy, Rudy, who was working at the company, like we were both ed- editing just hours and hours and hours. And then at one point we had like a bunch of people fly in. Um, and we had like a two week film shoot where we had Rudy was upstairs editing and I was downstairs, like holding like my, my gimbal, my little phone gimbal. And I was filming and we're going up and we're airdropping and we're like, and then he couldn't edit fast enough cause there was too much content. I mean, fast enough. He would have to be a machine to do it fast enough. So that's, I, so, so I <laughs> One started of those editing. Bursons. Yeah. Those. He's a person. He's a bot person. And so, um, so anyway, that's kind of where the content for me, I mean, I'd always loved making videos. I always done some videos, but that's where it like really took off because I was spending, I mean, I spent, I probably edited 3000 videos at this point, you know, and it just absurd. So then that when our camps came back, I was doing all of our social media, I was doing all mm. of our videography. And I'll tell you a really fast story about the first time I got, I got a camera. I, I texted our president. I was like, Hey, like, could we upgrade from my iPhone? Cause I've been using it for so many years and it's gotten <laughs> a lot of sales. Like we've like get driven sales in this thing. Um, can I get a camera? So I'm like, all right. So I look up, get a Sony, like a, uh, 6600 uh-huh. and we get, a. um, we, I, get, I finally get a, a like a, I had a little kit lens, which is like crappy, but it was good enough. And then also I get like a, a 15, uh, 35 millimeter, 15 yep. millimeter. Yeah. 30, Probably 30, 35. Yeah. 35. And I'm just like obsessed with it. Cause it, got, it has a 1.4. Sorry for, yeah. I'm just like, a, I'm a nerd now <laughs> here, for, but it's like, big, I'm amazed you even know what that no, is. No, Big time blur. I like took an online course. So anyway, I'm, I get a camera and like two days later, we're going to do an online course with Ennis Cantor. Who's in the NBA at the time. I don't know if he's still in the NBA right now. So me and Tyler fly to New York city. And I got the camera gear. And the whole time on the trip, I'm just watching YouTube video after YouTube video. So I'm like, can, I'm doing this thing with this camera, right? I don't yeah. care. So we go into the NBA Players Association like <laughs> building, which is like this um, unbelievable facility. Um, and Ennis is in there and he's partnering with us. And so it's just, we can only have two people in there. So it's me, Tyler, and Ennis. And I like tried to have a third person so I could have somebody on sound separate with that, that recorder. And we walk in there and I kid you not, I went to like the like hardware store. I bought a belt, like a, like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a, <laughs> like a gaffer's belt. Like, or I, like, like yeah. you put hammers and stuff in it. Okay. Cause I, I needed to hold that zoom H six. Cause I have two mics and I can't have two mics on top of my camera. Right. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could, I, I couldn't. Right. And so, so then we get in there and I'm freaking out the whole time. So I got head, a headset on, I have the zoom H six, which is like just, it's like six inches tall by, yeah. and it's probably like two or three inches thick. Yeah. And it's probably like two or three. It's like a, it's a good yeah. device. And then I have these Chunky. fat, I have these like fat cords in it. So I got cords all around my body. I have it in this like belt. I'm, I'm using like a legit <laughs> gimbal. So I got like 40 pounds in my front, in my, my hand and I got my headphones on and I got Ennis Cantor who's seven feet tall and Tyler who's trying to focus on the questions. And I'm over here just like, I pooped myself. I peed myself. I did. I mean, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I was like doing everything and literally we filmed it. We got back to the hotel at night. Um, and I spent like an hour just going through every single clip and being like, I really hope the audio, please, please, did I, did I, did I hit start? I've never looked at is the play button going as many times in my life as I did in that thing. Yo. And uh, I left and I, I did it all. And that's the moment I knew I was going to do content for the rest of my life. <laughs> that's a great story. The best part is he's clearly back to an iPhone because all the content you see from him, iPhone. It's iPhone. Yeah. Well, here's, here's why. It's mobile. It's mm-hmm. fast. It's easy. easy. And I have a, an Apple computer, so I can airdrop everything. And I, all I did was I found the best um, microphones, which now you guys have purchased. And like, there are these little DJI, like three hundred dollar microphones. You found? I found Kyle. Them. I found you them. found the I, guy to your right didn't find. Thank you for you. Thank you for finding them, Will. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm dyslexic. Here. <laughs> um, so. Anyway, yeah, that's. Uh, well, here, here's what I think is funny about just all of the different content creators in this room. Me and Will are probably the most similar mm. because we yeah. have more formal backgrounds in filmmaking. And then obviously you have background in content creation and you dabbled with the camera. But when our <laughs> content creation trip in Nashville, 
I knew you used an iPhone and I could kind of tell you weren't a super technical person, but it was not until we got to Nashville that I realized how not technical you are. <laughs> the amount of like you would send me a video after exporting it and you know it should be in 1080p, maybe even 4K because I shoot everything in 4K. Kyle's Kyle's <laughs> sending it to me in 720p. It's exported completely wrong. It's in the wrong frame rate, edited in the wrong frame. Like basically every rule you could break, you broke it. <laughs> but somehow it's you made it works. You it made matter. it work. It doesn't matter. That's you know, who I am. I mean, I'm a, I'm a rule breaker. <laughs> here's, here's, a here's what I love about it, though, because coming from a background in filmmaking, where like everything has to be perfect yeah. all the time. I think going into more of a content creation type of thing, I, I like the looseness where I don't have to be so strict about things. And you're just the extreme version of it. Yeah. Where. There are so many things that you've made where if it was me, I'd go, oh my gosh, this still has so much more to go before I would post this. But clearly it works. The the, the extra cleanups are not the reason you're going to succeed or not succeed, basically. If the content is good yeah. and yeah. you know the quality is good enough, it will be fine. So I just think it's well, funny how different I think I just are. have some, I have some like decision-making frameworks in my mind because mm -hmm. some of them are like the Tyson video. I spent like 25 hours on it. I wanted every single, I wanted the color to be as good as it could be. I like mm -hmm. did some color grading. Um, I, not really, but I tried, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, i like sound, but the sound design, I spent a ton of time on the sound design. So mm -hmm. like, if you ever go back and watch that video, there's a lot of sound effects in it. Yep. And then the cuts, I mean, I just like, I, I wrote the story out. I planned the story. I wanted it to be as, as perfect as it could be because I knew it was the type of video that I cared about. I knew Tyson would care about it. I thought people could really resonate with it and get, have some fun with it. But there's other videos. Like I, I did a, I don't know. I did an interview. I just interviewed a lot of players. And like, I, I think of one I did with Thomas Wilson and it was like, it was just really raw. I mean, it's Thomas. I just cut it up. I threw some captions on it. Um, it wasn't going to go viral or anything, but like people enjoyed it. And like, I call that the 80%. Like that one's 80% good. I mean, what else do I need to do with it? If I add another 20% to it, it's like, it's not going to do I mean, Kyle's stuff is more like the 40%. <laughs> so disrespectful. So disrespectful. I think, I think Kyle is really good at understanding for each piece of video that he does, like who he's serving, like who he wants the audience like to be at that point in time. And I yeah. feel like you serve, um, you know, a decent amount of, it's just like, you know, the casual viewer, but then also I think you understand that there are some casual viewers that are more hardcore. And when the effort arises, you know, cause you know, like, like the Tyson video, you knew that Tyson was probably eventually going to see that and you wanted to make a good impression. But I think for like the rest of your audience, like you're like, I think the 80% is good. And, but, but honestly, your 80% is way higher than a lot of people's oh, hundred yeah, percent yeah, by definitely. far. Like when, when I, you know, make these jokes about it not being good, like obviously the content is good, but just from my former background, I'm like, yeah. dude, if I published this, someone would have had well, a nail through my head. Well, here's another <laughs> thing though. And like, I talk to people all the time about in content perspective, they're like, I yeah. want to do content. And, but I don't know where to start or how. And I think, I mean, pros, I've talked to pros who want to start getting, and, yeah. and it's different. Yeah. It's like, how much time do you have? How much do you really want to invest? Do you like being on camera? Yeah. Or, do you like, or are you just or like, doing it because you know you should be? Yeah, and, like, and, and, I, and I enjoy doing it. I love storytelling and yes. I love humor and I love trying to make people, like all those things. Um, I've had, I edited 3,000, 4,000 videos and videos that were from 15 seconds to an hour long, like online courses. I've edited so many videos and like, I don't have unbelievable editing um, like technical stuff. I don't, I, I have a, my brain has gotten way better at story than it has like yes. a technical pattern. Yeah. And so that's the main thing that matters, yeah. honestly. And so, so for me, it's easier to like do stuff fast and throw it out there. But here's the lesson. And I think a lot of people who are like, should I ever do content? I mean, if they want to, it's just try. It's like, I don't know if I should do it like this, if I should do it like this. It, it literally doesn't matter because yeah. number one, 
when you start doing it, no one even gives a crap. Yeah. They don't give a crap, and you suck. And you suck. Yeah. No, and, matter and, suck and they're no matter not going to watch it. Like, yep. if you go back to the, my very, very early videos, I understood content doing basketball content, and I kind of understood what worked for our basketball camp company. I had no idea with pickleball. I literally was just like, I'm going to post every time I go to the court. This is what I did. Every time I go to the court, I'm going to try to film a video. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it's a highlight. And part of what that does, if you post quantity over quality at first, is it tells you what does well. Yes. And what does well means like what resonates with people? Like what are people, are people commenting? Like, this is a cool video. Do more of this. Are people telling you like my friend Joe at one point was like, dude, I love, like, I love this thing that you did. And I'm like, that was really encouraging. Cause I was scared of what people were going to think of me. Cause like, it's such a small community and like, no, he's like, keep doing it. I'm like, all right, I'll do more of that. But if you go for high, high quality early, you could spend like 10 hours if it doesn't good, doesn't do well. And then you're like it depressed. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, let me just do some raw. And now I'm realizing the educational stuff is really resonating with people. And so I am actually, and now I have an editor helping me, which I, I just, in the last six weeks, have that happen. Now I care more about, like I really wanna get the right angles when I'm teaching, because I wanna actually teach it in a really clear and humorous way so it's entertaining. Yes. But I care more. So like that 40% is now like, it's actually more like 80% or 80% is more like 90%, depending on the thing I think will help the most people or perform the best, because I have better understanding of what actually works. But sometimes I'll do interviews and I'm like, I know this isn't gonna perform well, because like from a viewage standpoint, but I love like, I just wanna, it's fun. Like people yeah. who follow me are gonna enjoy, <laughs> back to that Thomas, are gonna enjoy listening to Thomas talk because Thomas is a great dude. People love him, he's fun, he makes people laugh. I, I also think too, just with, I mean with anything in life really, but content especially is just so relatable to me, is people will say, oh I wanna start a pickleball content account or whatever. The bottom line, if you're doing it because you think either it's easy money or there is good money and that's your reason for doing it, I don't think it's going to go well. Maybe you'll make it work, but I think you have to actually have a desire and enjoyment to make content. If you don't have that, you are going to struggle. Yeah. You won't do it for the long run. Well, that's like that's how burnout happens. I mean, I have to do this, so I'm going to do it. Um, and then you get then it gets hard, and you don't want to do it. Like yeah. I think those three, like we love it, it for different reasons. I mean, why do you love doing content? Mm -hmm. Oh man, I mean, I've just done it for so long now. But I think I think for me. Because almost all the content I have made outside of when I was doing filmmaking, anything on YouTube that I've always done has always been informational and helping people basically speed things up for them. So like in speed cubing, that's how I got introduced to YouTube. I started teaching people how to get faster. I was like one of the best in the world at this one event. So I would tell people, here's what I'm doing right here. You can learn from it. I invented a couple, I invented one method, taught that to people. And then when I wasn't doing speed cubing, I started teaching people how to edit faster because I, my brain just loves that technical stuff. And so I would see people all the time spend literal days with their software stuck on something, something's broken, they don't know how to do it, they can't find the answer. And so when I was just taking all this information, it's like, well, it's nice to be able to just teach someone and save them literal days. Well, so what was the feeling that you experienced after somebody messaged you back or you were validated, like, this really helped me do this better? Then what did you feel? I mean, I, I think it just, it was a nice feeling because I knew how much time I wasted in the past trying to learn these things out. So I just, I felt useful. Yeah. Okay. I mean, shoot. If yeah. you like want to live a fulfilling life, you probably need to feel somewhat useful. Yeah. You know yeah, what exactly, I mean? Like, exactly. <laughs> it's true though. But I mean, I think that's, that's a, yeah. It's funny that you say that because like mine is similar, but the framework is different. Like when I make content, honestly, it's more selfish. I like, I, I make content out there for people to you know provide value to people, but really I'm doing it for myself like selfishly, like when I put out a piece of content, like, like so someone, someone told me this like a while ago, it's like people do things, everything that somebody does is to make them feel important, but it's a really like roundabout way to think about it. So when I make 
a content and like let's say it's a paddle review or something it's for the audience but technically it's for my own personal enjoyment like i'll go back and watch that video because oh wow i made this and i'm proud of this yeah even when i help you guys make content right which i actually really like doing but it's really roundabout because first of all like when you guys get satisfaction or you guys make out a piece of content that you're proud of that actually makes me proud like because like i know you guys are happy so i know that I helped you guys out like, you yeah. know, and it's like a really roundabout way, but it yeah. makes me feel important. And this is the main reason why I do content. I, I could see that too. The, cool. the feeling of importance, oh like you're bringing, <laughs> you're bringing value to other people because when I was doing the video editing stuff, that's exactly how I felt. And it was very obvious how I was making that benefit in pickleball. I think it's less so, but I, I still feel I'm providing value in that people are making a, a large-ish sum of money to play the game purchasing these paddles and you don't want to buy the wrong one and I yeah. think it's very easy to do that so it's like if I can spend a bunch of time with this and save you from getting the wrong one mm -hmm. or buying one that will break or you know marketing tricks you or whatever and you feel bad about it I feel useful in that way maybe not the same <laughs> way as the video editing but in a lesser what? way and you're so honest about it I know you're starting to do paddle reviews too yeah it, what actually let me before I go to that thought what made you start doing them um, or just like pickball videos in general. No, paddle, paddle reviews. Oh, paddle reviews. <clears throat> well, first of all, it's easier for me. Like, I, first of all, I'm I'm actually kind of somewhat of like a gearhead and a, a paddle nerd myself. Like some people may not think that. Like I think people think they default to Chris yeah. as the paddle nerd. But I don't I'm, watch his videos ever. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't even think it. I am just as much of a paddle nerd or geek like as Chris, and I've always wanted to do them, but I haven't found a. I guess a format or whatnot that I liked. And then I started doing them more because obviously I've seen Chris's success and how he's been able to essentially basically make pickball his full-time thing and replace his income. And I wanted to do things like my way on my own terms, but I saw the growth and I was like, okay, I'm eventually gonna do this. Let's just do it now. And now I'm seeing more success about it. And I think that I'm not going to stop doing them, but it's not ultimately what I want to do. But right now I see it as a way to enable me to do other videos in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna talk about this like in a future video on my channel, but like I want to have like a series where I go to different parts of the country or different local courts and I wanna showcase the courts and the community of that people. Like this is like, like how good is insert blank city or town at mm. pickleball? And I go and I just play a bunch of matches and stuff, oh. but that stuff needs resources and money, which I don't have. But right now I think the easiest way to get there is to do paddle reviews, which I already enjoy and I like and I love and I have a great resource in Chris and I'm developing relationships with paddle companies or whatnot. So I'm, I'm using that as a way to enable other future pieces of content yeah. that I would like to do. That's cool. Yeah. That's a really cool. I'm going to be a part of that idea. Heck yeah. Come through. Arizona's on the list, you know, Phoenix yeah. or whatnot. I want to like travel around the world to do that too, like in emerging places. Like how good, could you imagine if you're like, how good is India at pickleball or like Japan or Australia yeah. or whatever. And I go there and I just play like random people. And I mean, and if I'm building relationships with these paddle companies, like maybe I'll pitch them to like, hey, would you have some paddles that you want to donate to these emerging communities and spread the joy of pickleball? Because my mission is to share and spread the joy or my joy of pickleball with other people and everyone you know that feeling you get when you play pickleball for the first time you invite a friend that's never played a racket sport and you get them into like some epic rally where they're getting the balls back and then it ends in like a smash and then you see them so psyched up like that moment when they have that moment is like the most satisfying moment like to bring to somebody that you know they did something like really cool or athletic or some crazy get and like i love that feeling see i do this 
in a much more roundabout way. <laughs> yeah. My 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 mission has clearly become that <laughs> people who watch me yeah. and look at this 3-5 being as successful as he is, they're like, if he can be that, I'll be infinitely more successful in life than this guy. You know, you know it's uh, number one, I really hope uh, that we clip that whole uh, segment of and put some really inspirational music over what Will just said. Because I was like, wow, that was awesome to hear. And it inspired me in, in a way that the game is part of the reason I love doing content. The game is so fresh. It's not, it's not, I mean, it's still new ish. Yeah. Of course it's coming out of the scene. It's been around for I think 50 or 60 years at this point, but there's not that many content creators. There were, there's more now than there was six months ago. Yeah. And, um, cause I think people are seeing the opportunity, uh, one opportunity to impact the sport yeah. in a small way. Yeah. Like yeah. I was doing basketball content for a, a bunch of years and there's, you know, if you look at content creators, it's just a term there's, thousands of content creators in basketball so you can come in and i mean you can you can still impact the game in a small way of course yes you can impact it in a bigger way in pickleball because it's fresher mm-hmm. and I mean, so many new things are happening i mean shoot, I, I, right when i started making instagram videos i was in i was in denver with my buddy trent and we went to this park and like somebody recognized me for making videos and i had like a thousand followers like oh, i saw your video and that was like that was cool so that, that was i mean that's a that's a cool thing but to tie it back to will like the four of us, there's there's 20, 30 people making really good videos. I mean, I don't know how many people there are now. No, more. there's more. But, like, think, but they, they, they can impact the world. And so they can impact the game in a new way. And like it could be impacted worldwide in a small way. Yeah. Right? And, and it's not like we're not changing the game by like making a video. Right. But like you can actually get a lot of reach and reach a lot of people. Right. And we're we making can... videos that are hitting people in multiple countries. Um, I've DM'd and emailed people in multiple countries, which is really neat. And so that's one of the reasons I like doing it too is is um, the connection and also just the growth of the game. Like we mm-hmm. all have a part in the growth of the game. We're not growing the game ourselves. Like don't right. get me wrong. Yeah. But, but we have a small part. It's just like every player has a small part by competing on the tour. Right? Mm-hmm. And anybody that puts videos out has a small part. And Just uh, like teaching it, going to your local courts and teaching somebody or bringing somebody new. Like so, you know, shout out to everybody out there like who's doing their part in growing the sport of pickleball. Yeah. And honestly, right now, if you want to go out there and you want to make like content, you should because it's, it only helps and honestly content creation is hard whether whether you're doing videos whether you're doing photos or writing a blog a newsletter whatever it is you know all like every single little bit well i think i think the whole like the growth of the sport is it's kind of like a pie and like each thing is its own slice like content blogs all like podcast everything is under that content slice of pie that contributes to the growth right i'm imagining if a ton of people are getting into the sport and basically no content creators exist. And you want to learn how to get better at the game. And suddenly Jordan Brionis doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Taking Not that people won't enjoy the game, but now the barrier to getting better at the game is harder. Like I yeah. think having all of these resources online is a valuable way to get people in and make that less of a barrier. Just like you know, people who are building courts and planting all of that is another ambassadors who are you know promoting the sport. Like all of it, the pro scene, it's all a slice of the pie that I think... Yeah. Helps move it forward. Hey, shout out Jordan Brionis. I saw him this morning. Oh, did yeah. you? Jordan Brionis lives like 10 minutes from me. That's interesting awesome. enough. Super. And, and you haven't met him until now. Well, we know. Yeah, we, <laughs> we actually, well, we actually just met um, in person, like, I don't know, four or five weeks ago. We drilled a little bit. Yeah. Great dude. Like super awesome guy who actually, I love his videos. Like he makes great videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, shout out to Jordan. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I love and, Jordan. And just like the best dude. So like, I mean, there's so many good people doing it. And like, I look at Jordan and I'm just like, that's awesome. Like, I love that he's in, and he's, a great dude helping grow the sport and he's putting out great content that mm-hmm. I've learned from as well. Yeah. Um, and so. the more, the more like people who are making content there, it just serves more people because I don't know, I, I haven't found 
um, a sport or hobby or activity that I feel like is so diverse in, you know, age, ethnicity, backgrounds, sports backgrounds, right? And so the more content creators we have, like that perspective, that unique perspective, you know, will service those people looking for that content and be more relatable. I mean, like I'm doing like paddle reviews right now, like along with Chris, but I would say like our videos are fairly different in, in tone and the way that we go about it. You know what well, I'm saying? Apparently you guys just think I sound like a nasal bot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not guys, us. Tonight, today I'm going to be releasing the it's new Selkirk <laughs> 0016. Um, this is the best spin panel I've ever seen. Um, not only that, but Spot if you use my affiliate code, I, I can get you a slight discount. Um, and your game, it will never be... Uh, uh, sorry, let me start over. What's up, guys? Uh, <laughs> oh, my uh, I goodness. Only, I only do that for the people who don't know any of us and don't know me, like, this guy's a total asshole. But I, <laughs> the, wing, the, wing, the way I bring value to this friend group is to be the verbal punching bag. I've, I've decided that, and I am, I'm okay with at it. First I think to the, the pickleball community at large, I think that's how well, you the, bring value. The, and the best thing I have to say, because it doesn't get said every time, um, and it probably shouldn't get said every time, but uh, you are, like, you're not a 3-5. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you're like you're like you're probably three six ish. Like, like, there's no chance you're a three five. You have a great drop. Your hands are are. Well, let's not talk about your hands. But like, <laughs> like your other like your your dink. Well, actually, no, that's not good. But but no, but when you like tap paddles at the end of a game, you're so kind. You are so kind. Yeah, your serve was pretty good too. Oh wait, no, wait, the spin serve has yeah. been banned. I uh, can't even say Damn. that anymore. Just kidding. No, Chris is Chris is a good player, and, and we so actually had to play at MLP Columbus, um, which was I think the first time I had seen you play. And I had fun playing with you. Probably. I mean, yeah, no, it yeah. was good. I mean, and I'm excited you, to do some playing here, too. You and I uh, took on Pickleball Chick, Caitlin Kerr, and Kim Kleisters. Yeah, that and, was a lot of fun. And uh, it's actually on YouTube. I think Pickleball yeah. Will filmed yeah, a little bit of it. I, and, I filmed uh, and edited. I mean, that is actually still one of my, my best performing videos. Oh, <laughs> and that's crazy, right? I actually just, I want, that brings me a thing I want to go on a tangent off of, just as like the life of a content creator that people might find interesting. The videos that you think will do well, I mean, sometimes you know this video is just gonna do well. You just, from experience, you know, but the amount of times that a video gets posted, that, that Kim Kleister's one is a great example. When you were editing that, I personally never would have thought anyone cared about that or would even wanna watch it. Uh, but it w grew extremely, extremely quickly. Well. One of your most popular videos on the channel. I've had a few like that on mine. The tier list video I did, yeah. shocked that it's one of the most popular videos <laughs> ever did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I filmed it in 20 minutes, maybe did the edit in 30 minutes, probably one of the lowest effort videos I've ever done, not because I wanted it to be low effort, just because that's the nature of the video. Well, I mean, if, if we, Shay Underwood is the best. Uh, he, he makes the most viral videos. And I think there's definitely some things that, I mean, for a video to go viral, especially a pickleball video, it needs to transcend a pickleball audience. Yeah. And so yeah. like, like that, for example, if I ever do an interview video, there's no chance an interview video is going beyond yeah. like 10 or 15,000. Unless they say something it, crazy, <laughs> it, crazy, right? like, right? yeah. Yeah, like I'm gonna be the number one player in the next three months, Sam. And <laughs> <laughs> not, <Dang>. out. <laughs> no, Sam's, Sam's the best dude ever, by the way. We, no, we, could, go, we could go nice. on a Sam tangent. He's such a great guy, um, but on a side note, I'm just backpedaling now, Sam. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 Sam, um, but, but, so it has to transcend. And so, but, but not always, because I'm going to tell you a quick story, because that's a great point. The net cord, where the ball hits the net, goes over. Yeah. yeah we put our yeah. hand up. I wrote an article about it. Um, I don't believe in putting your hand up and apologizing, unless it's like, the only reason I believe in it is if you're with people you don't know and you're not trying to cause a ruckus, but honestly, let's cause a ruckus. How do you even spell ruckus? R-U-K-U-S? Right? <laughs> I don't even know. Is it R-U-T-K-U-S? Yeah, I think do you any should... of you even know? How do you spell ruckus? <laughs> R-U-C-K. 
K-U-S? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you can stick to making videos. No okay. right. <laughs> well, but, but um, I, I wrote this article and, and then I posted a video about it and you know people are like, oh, you should apologize. It's tennis tradition. I kind of looked up the origin of yeah. the net cord. Anyway, so then I post this thing um, on Facebook and somebody replies and they're basically like, like I'm a bad person because I don't have empathy for the other team. Yeah. Um, and I'm like empathy for their team. I'm trying to demolish the other team. I don't have empathy, don't have empathy <laughs> yeah. for them. Like if they get hurt, I'm going to like, yeah, but I hit a neck cord. Be a good sportsman after, after the fact. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I tried to win the point and of course I'm aiming. Here's the thing. You're aiming low. I'm going to make my point at the end, but you're aiming low because you want to keep the ball right over the net. So, it, you know, it stays low. They pop it up potentially. If you hit it high, it's either going out or they're putting it away. Mm-hmm. So of course you're going to hit more net cords in pickleball I mean, there's been 10 net cords in one game I've played in before. It's not a coincidence, and it's not luck. Of course, you didn't necessarily intend to hit it every time, but it should be expected. That's my, my whole rant on it is stop throwing your hands up in the air and being like, this is unbelievable. I cannot believe this. Okay, dude, you've been playing pickleball for a long time. Yes, you can believe it. It, it happened to you 10 seconds ago, right? And you didn't even apologize. And then the other thing is this. Half the time when it hits the net, it actually either doesn't affect the point because you're dinking, it hits the net, you can still get it. Yep. Or it actually is advantageous to the receiver of the net cord because it hits the net and it was going to pops up and you put it away. So there's just as many of those as there is like a serve return net cord that pops over the net. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, like unbelievable to me. And, and it's so, not like tennis where it hitting the net cord very well just ends the point. Yeah, and it doesn't happen so as often. Because you're yeah. not, you're, in tennis, you're not attempting to hit the ball. I mean, you have a lot more... More yes, margin, margin. error. So in pickleball, the, the goal is keep the ball low. Yeah. Right. And occasionally you want to hit it high for a different reason, but right, like keep it low. And so it's going to hit the net court. It happens every single game. So my whole thing is stop. But no, my point is this person went at me in these comments and I did, it was so, I actually posted on my Instagram story because it was just so much, it was so fun. I remember that. Yeah. And it was kind of, I can't remember the exact thing. We could probably go back and find it, but the person was just like, you don't have empathy. I can't believe that you would be okay winning a point like that. I, it could have been a, a person, like a, a bot person, you know? Mm-hmm. So then I was like, you know what? Screw it. So I went outside. And I, I set up a tripod and I, my buddy had this ball machine over at my house. So I just plugged it in. I was like, I'm just gonna hit a quick net cord real quick and post a video. So I get outside within 10 balls. I hit a net cord. It goes over. I post a video. It's like a three second clip. And I said, working on my game. <laughs> 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 and in the video, guess, do you, know, do you know how many views it hit? How many? Guess. Uh, 1.7 million. I'm no, it was not that many. 500K. No, it was about 500. It was like four or 500K. Total right now? Oh, uh, well, now it, it's probably at like 501K or something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, no, I think, it, I mean, I haven't looked in a little while. I could go back and look. But um, yeah, it hit like half a million. I don't even know why that one. But to wrap this, put a bow on it, is it's crazy in content how the Tyson McGuffin impersonation video I did, I knew that wasn't going to blow up. Because it's, it's just not going to transcend the pickup audience, probably. Yeah. You know, that did fine in the pickup audience. I think they enjoyed it. But then you put something out. It's kind of random and like they just, I think that's more of like because it kind of quote unquote attacks like your morality or ethics or yeah. something. People, yeah, you know, people, yeah, I think that's. I why. still really. I mean, my friends know it. Um, when when net courts happen, we don't apologize. We started saying "smart shot" every time. It was like "smart shot." Yeah, and like because it's just it's like, make be a tougher, shirt. be tougher. It, it is annoying. Yeah. The only time I've apologized for real in a tournament on net court it was on match point. I had a net court to, like to win the game, and that's kind of of course yeah. it's annoying. You're like you know for their team. But in general, and of course, like this pod is going to be, we got video uh, stuff. Someone's going to, I'm going to lose a match here on center court soon. And it's going to literally be on a net court. I'm going to throw a fit. Right? And somebody's going to come back to this video and be like, yeah, you, you are such a, what's the word? Uh, a hypocrite. A hypocrite. How do you even spell that? What does that even, how do you, H-Y? No. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I just think you, you never, I mean, not never, but sometimes the videos you just don't plan for, they just they blow up and it's such a fascinating part of content creation. And sometimes you spend a ton of time on a video 
and no one cares. And <laughs> those ones aren't fun. That's super fun. <laughs> okay, well, one thing I want to dive into before we get into the pro scene, because the people who aren't content creators are probably like, just talk about pickleball, please. Yeah, they're Stop so, talking they're about so your camera mad. stuff. But yeah. I, I want to know, so you you quit your job somewhat recently, and I just want to like talk about that process. Obviously, you've gone all in on pickleball, both in the, the pro side of things and content creation. When you were making the decision to quit your job, how scary was that? Thought because you weren't really making money on pickleball yet. Like, you what's knew money, money could come in. Yeah, I was uncertain, uh, like any big decision in your life. And I will say this: like, let me give you quick context, and then I'll answer it. Because um, you asked me this question before, I didn't answer it, but it was um, like the the whole basketball thing propelled me. I had a lot of skills that I've developed to be able to do mm-hmm. content. So when I started, I think it was December 11th. I made a decision a few days earlier. I'm going to go all in on pickleball. And all in meant I still have a full-time job. I'm going to start training pickleball. So I made a post on my Instagram. You can scroll all the way to the bottom. It's like I'm today starting my pursuit to be a professional pickleball player, kind of like a la Rob Nunnery, who I think did that. I didn't even know about that at the time, but he did oh, it yeah. like years ago or whatever, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so then I just started making some videos, and I didn't say, like, I'm going to quit my job soon. That wasn't the thought. The thought was I just like making videos, and I think I um, can make some people laugh along the way so, and, and share the journey. I started the newsletter. I was writing once a week, and I was sharing Instagram videos, newsletter and Instagram videos and training and full-time job. Um, very little life outside of that. I just have fun doing it, right? Yeah. And so um, that happened for like six months. I started getting traction. Eventually, uh, signed a little deal with Selkirk, which made me a little bit of money. Not anything crazy. But that just... Not enough sh- to live off of. Not enough to live off of. That just showed me that, okay, there's there's some money in this. And all of a sudden, like LeBron James is signing on with a team and Tom Brady. And all of a sudden, everybody's texting me because I'm only talking about pickleball and work Zoom calls and stuff. So people know <laughs> I love it. And then fast forward another couple of months, I'm making more content. Um, maybe getting a little bit of a bigger following. I'm going to a lot of tournaments. I'm meeting a lot of people. I'm recognizing there's very little, there's very few people in content. So, so that was the, um, kind of the crux of me starting it. And little by little, it's just like when you build a house, you don't just like put the roof on it. Like you got to build it brick by brick. And I was kind of laying a brick every single day, but I didn't know what the brick was going to, what kind of house was going to be built or an apartment, you know, whatever it's going to be like. And so I still don't know what it's going to be, but it's, it's, there's more bricks. (laughs) It's on track to look like a multi-million dollar mansion. It's a, it's a, this is going to be a uh, studio unit. <laughs> and so, with, uh, what's going to have, it's going to have, actually there's no bathroom, the washing machine's outside. Um, you got to like actually go down the street to a laundromat and I use a porta potty that's out in the back, but it's fine. It's uh, one day. So that kind of, that was the crux of it and it got me going. And then, so I'll take you to your question now, which was, I think maybe two or three months ago, I was just, I was, I'm so addicted to the game. I'm like, I mean, it's like so many people, I'm obsessed with it and I love it. I love playing, I love practicing. I love playing tournaments. I love making videos. And so um, I I went from full-time, I talked to my work and I was like, hey, and they knew the whole time. I told the president of our company, I was like, hey, I'm gonna start making some pickleball videos just so you know I'm still fully committed to the company because I didn't want him to be like, wow, Kyle's like totally moonlighting right now and all this stuff. And he was supportive of it. And because he didn't know what it was going to be, but he kind of knew me. So my guess is a really brilliant guy. Um, my guess as soon is, as he said that, it was like, we he lose probably, him in a couple months. <laughs> yeah, he probably thought. And so um, I, I was just taking it. I just had it in my heart. It was just pulling me, pulling me, pulling me towards pickleball. But I love my job. Like I work with incredible people at PGC Basketball. And it's an unbelievable organization with incredible leaders and camaraderie like I've never seen in any other company. And a culture that is just it is like attractive to anybody that wants to be a high achiever or be in a work environment that is fun to be a part of Mm. and so i have these two things in my in my hands if you will and i'm like i love this i'm being pulled toward this 
And that was really the, the challenging, that was the most challenging. I actually wasn't even thinking about money as much. Now, of course that was a part of it because I'd be stupid not to be a part of like, how are you gonna live, what it's gonna look like. But I, my heart is just like with these people, my friends that I've been working with and helping build. And like I helped build a lot of that um, you know, social following and like a newsletter and getting more kids to come to this transformational experience. And that's just like, I mean, when I, so when then the, I went from full-time, I said, hey, look, can, I take, can I go to part-time? Can I go, like, just try it. I'm going to do part-time for a little bit. I want more time in pickleball. I want to train more because I'm, I'm working 12 and a half hours a day. You know, I'm waking up at 4. I mean, I still do that because I like it. But I'll wake up at like 4 a.m. and do pickleball stuff. And then I'll spend 4 or 5 hours on PGC stuff. And I'll go train. And then I'll – I'm working late. But I'm having so much fun. And then I just wanted more time. So then I went from full-time to part-time. And then I'm like, gosh, I think I just need – more time. I want more time. I'm doing the finances. I'm looking at fo- possible numbers. I'm in a conversation with Selkirk um, about what a possible deal could look like. Some other, obviously a lot of companies start reaching out when they start seeing videos and, mm-hmm. and I still make like very little money. People are like, well, this guy, like, these people are rich. Well, that's like, what I, that actually was what I was going to get to. Yeah. So I was going to say at the moment, you're still not making a lot of money. Yeah. No, I mean, Chris Olson and Will, Pickleball Will, they fund, <laughs> funding my life still. And so, like, like I, like, they gave me a glass of water here, and, like, it was free, thank God. Right? But, like, we're in this Airbnb right now. But, but, um, but so that was a part of the decision-making. So what I had to do, I, I was very, it was very challenging. I really leaned on my friends, Tyler and JT, and I, I talked to my parents, and it, was, it wasn't a one-day decision. It was a build-up. And I didn't go from nothing to something. I went from... I went from never playing pickleball to playing pickleball. I went from never doing content to doing content. I went from full-time to part-time. Then I went from part-time to, um, can I take two weeks off? Like almost like a sabbatical. And yeah. I to work, I'm like, I just, I just need to like, I think I need to be in it for two weeks. And, and my work is unbelievable. Like these people that I was working with are just, I can't say it enough how grateful I was to be, I'm still a part of that organization in a different way. Now I'm just not full-time with them. Um, and they were like, okay, do it. Cause I could just feel it. They could feel it in my voice, like my passion for it. And so he's like, all right, take two weeks. So I take two weeks and like within like seven or eight days, I'm just feeling more like, ah, oh, this is it. I'm not, and I'm all I'm doing is pickleball for these two weeks. Like I'm, I'm traveling, I went to a tournament. Um, I think I was actually, I went to the Nashville thing with you guys was a part of that, was in that two weeks. The Nashville? Yeah, yeah it, we was, it was. And so we, I'm doing that and I'm like, I love this. It's so fun. I get to hang out with these guys and play pickleball and, and travel. And, and then I came back from that two weeks and I told my work and I, I literally got on the call um, with the president of the company, his name is Mono Watsa, and I just started like crying, and I was like, "It's time." Oh, and, like, I quit. No, I like I got on the phone, I couldn't even speak because we both knew we're like on a Zoom call. I'm sitting <laughs> on my couch, <laughs> and it's like it's like an 8 a.m. call, and I'm just like looking him in the eyes and just like tearing up because I knew and he knew, and I think you know, he, like I said, he's so smart. Like, I think he knew, but he knew before I knew, yeah. you know, and I, I just couldn't make the decision because part of me was like, I love these people. It wasn't even mm-hmm. about, it wasn't even about money for me in my heart. It was like, I love these people so much. I will feel bad if I leave these people, mm-hmm. you know, See, and I was actually, yeah. that is interesting because I felt the same way with speed keeping when I was getting, cause I had lifelong friends, like yeah. some of my best friends I've ever had. Many of them were in my wedding and it's so, like leaving it. I almost felt like I was like abandoning the, the people, the people. Yeah. And so it just, even though I wasn't as interested in speaking anymore, it was hard to like kind of e- ease out of it because I felt like I was leaving something behind that I didn't want to leave Well, when behind. you give your heart to something for so long, yeah. you know, and, and so much of your time and investment and energy, you, of course, you develop a care that's deep. Yeah. Like there's deep roots there. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, if I hated that job, it'd been so easy. I'm like, I can't wait to leave. You know, it's like, I, I left the job I hated for the thing I loved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? a, a documentary coming soon. <laughs> right? Like, like, but, but no, I, I, that's what was the big pull, the speed cubing thing. I feel like a big part of me, it was, I felt like I'm letting these people down. Yes. And mm-hmm. like my friend Jackie and my friend Craig, like, and, and my, like these people, Chad, these, all these people I've been up with, TJ for so long. And, and um, so, so then I made the decision. 
And I tell you what was so interesting though, is when I made the decision, I actually felt uh, like a weird freedom. And it wasn't a freedom like I was being pulled down by the, the other company. It was like, it was a freedom as if like, I know I'm making the right decision. Yeah. Because, um, because my heart is pulling me so hard to pickleball and pickleball content that when I started, and I didn't start resenting it, and maybe resenting is a tough word, but I did start like not wanting to do the other work because I wanted to be doing this work so much. Yeah. But like in the best way, because I still love that work and I know what that work is contributing to. It's contributing to seventh to 12th graders who want to play college basketball and, mm. and they don't know it, but learn incredible leadership skills. Yeah. Like it's changing their, it changed my life when I was in 10th grade, right? And yeah. so that's, that's, and the very final part of the story is, um, Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was say, the very final part of the story is um, I start doing it. I'm like two weeks in. And we do like a, the company's amazing. We do this little, we call it a celebration call. And we get on and anybody in the company can just join the call. It's like a 20 minute call. And the part of the culture of the company was you do celebrations anytime you're on a meeting. So you get into a, a meeting and let's play us a quick, quick round of celebrations. The celebration is just, I mean, you're acknowledging or praising um, or encouraging somebody on something you've seen them do that you want to, you know, that we could all do more of, but you're just like, Hey, Will, like I'll do, I'll do two right now. Like Will, and it, it, this is exactly how we do it in the company. And this is what happened for me and my celebration call. And I was just bomb. I couldn't even speak. I was actually at major league pickleball Columbus. It was the day after it ended. It was Monday. I'm sitting in a booth in the hotel and I'm literally just crying my eyes out. Like I can't even hold it together. Right. And like <laughs> people are walking by and I could feel the, like I, I knew that person, but I can't look cause I'm just like so locked in. And it, so it'd, it'd be like, yes, it'd be like, um, it'd be like, will I celebrate you because every time, um, we're together, which is not that much like you, you consistently are the, the greatest utility player slash leader when you need to be either one of the, the both, right? Mm. If you're the one leading a video, like you take control of the video and you have really brilliant ideas. And if you need to be the utility player in that specific role, you just completely embrace the role and are a star in that role. Mm. And that's something I've always admired about you. Appreciate and so I, think I celebrate you for that. Right, and then, and then, uh, Chris, I can't, I can't quite think of anything. But, uh, but, so, but, but I will say this, um, I say, Chris, I think I celebrate you. I'll talk to you really specific on, uh, this, this celebration is, which is your, I love that you do great, these great review videos, but the thing that's really cool is the honesty that you approach the video with. And it's part of the reason you're so good and people trust you so much. And I think they will take your advice and go do something with it. It's because you get onto a video and you, you just say what you believe and you don't like, you don't just um, sell out to uh, making money. I don't like know your situation stuff, but you just sell out to making money. You're just like, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and then the, sec and the second part of my celebration for you is, I think as a idea bounce off guy, you're one of my favorite people to go to because you just give, interesting perspective to me that is so different than my brain. And so when I come to you, I'm like, oh, I never even thought about it that way. And I think you consistently do that. So that's why I celebrate you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's sweet. sweet. <laughs> I actually agree with that though, yeah. because I do think the way we, our brains are just wired so differently. I think it goes both ways. Like, <laughs> you're just staring at me really intensely. <laughs> yeah, you two are the most different of the group, I feel yeah, like. I, I think so I think for sure. I'm attracted to like the, your ideas a lot of times is because, um, I think Will and I have a, I mean, Will and I are funny and you're not. So it's like, we think <laughs> along the same lines. You know what I mean? And then like, Shay has a much different, per, like Shay has a, Shay is like, so, the thing I love about Shay is he's so analytical in such a different way than me. Yeah, focused and intelligent. But you also do content where it, it's like, you know that these things will resonate with the people, but the reasons why they resonate is 
different like the the information that you have the data to back up why videos will work between uh your experiences and shay's experiences are different shay's yeah. obviously very information driven like analytical driven from yes. like so much uh you know just researching the space in the field different platforms yeah. or whatnot and from you i feel like it, it just comes from experience from what you did in basketball and what you're doing now and that you are so willing to try new things that you know you just have this repertoire of ideas information and um you know hours of work to yeah. like draw back from yeah. do, do you know what's neat i think if you took all four of us and put us on like a scale or a spectrum yeah you the order that i think it goes from most similar to least similar yeah is it goes me yeah then you then shay and then kyle's so like me and kyle are opposite ends of the <laughs> yeah. spectrum yes Shay is most like Kyle, mm-hmm. and then you are most like me, but you and Shay are like less extremes, extremes. of me and Kyle. Yes, yeah, which I is would great. Agree. I mean, obviously, it's- I think that's why we work so well together and why we love being around each other. I mean, yeah. diverse teams, like diverse teams um, make things better. You typically want to be around people you like, like they're right. most like you because you connect with them sometimes, the, yeah. uh, sometimes the most, but sometimes not. Sometimes, obviously, opposites attract, but mm-hmm. I think. Just different ideation. Yeah, I think that having the spectrum of all of us is good because, like, me and having Will and I be on the same page on certain things with like filmmaking backgrounds. If there's a certain idea I have, he probably un- understands how it should be shot from a filmmaking background. But then, just like your storytelling side of things is like very strong. Like yeah. your, the technical side of things may not be, but the the story is like very good. You will come up with a story infinitely faster than I will. Yeah, it will take right. me so much longer to come yeah. up with the same Kyle's thing. Kyle's really just like the, I guess example of um example example or? example you were saying exemplar or exemplar what well, you said you said like example like, like <laughs> e-x-e words are hard words are hard words are hard <laughs> words are like hard. you're trying to like rap and you're like i don't know about my temple but i'm gonna make an example like it still works it still works but i'm like i was saying it's uh what's the saying uh done is better than perfect yeah you know yeah. never I heard like that, that's what yeah. it is yeah, yeah done is better than no perfect. it's good you know, I think the you know to to put a bow on the the conversation, the question you originally asked, which is um, just that journey. You know, I'm, not, I'm in that that booth in the hotel crying, and then I close the laptop, and I'm sitting there just reflecting on how grateful I am that I've had so many good people um, that have poured in my life over the last five years, all starting from I mean, two, ten years, all starting since I went to that basketball camp. And so, I think that was hard. And you're like, well, so then I went full time into pickleball, and some might be like, well, okay, so how do you how do you do that full time into pickleball? Well. Right now, like I'm not making a ton of money, and I when I looked at it, the framework I was using, one part of the framework was like, all right, I'm gonna look in the six eight months. Where could I actually um, generate some revenue so I can live? <laughs> right? yeah. And so, like, because I mean, I'm not like just like this money hungry person, but like, of course, you can't just go and make zero dollars. Like, I gotta make money. So I think you know, there's. I looked into the future of that, and I recognized that there's some brand partnership opportunities. I recognized from you guys that um, like there's just different ways to monetize content, mm-hmm. and yeah. so I was starting looking at those different ways. I've looked into like potentially building you know online courses. Yeah, because um, you have experience doing that. With I, I've I was done gonna, it. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because now that you're doing more tutorial videos, like are you going to bring some of that expertise and that experience into the pickleball space? Yeah, and I think I think yes, and like I plan to. Um, and I'll, I'll probably build some online course at some point, but right now, like I am still learning so much as a player and I'm really like, I'm not an expert. I'm just sharing, I'm learning from experts and I'm sharing, I'm taking the frameworks I've learned from how to teach when I got, I, I was so lucky to get trained by 
some unbelievable teachers. Like my buddy Tyler is one of the best teachers in the world. Like mm-hmm. this guy is like, he's my close friend and I've watched him teach thousands of times. Like he's so excited. I'm taking some of that learning and com- combining it with what I'm learning in pickleball. And I just, I just want to honestly put as much out on YouTube for free as possible. Cause I, cause I just, I don't feel like I'm even, sometimes you like, you feel that, uh, that fraudulent, like yeah. oh, imposter yeah. syndrome, but like, I, oh, yeah. I don't feel like I'm an imposter right now. I feel like I have a, a skill set to be able to teach and, uh, I'm lucky right now. I have a great editor that's helping me and make these yeah. videos look really cool. And so, um, at some point maybe I will, but there's, I guess the long story longer is I, I believe, and I believe when I made the decision, there was ways that I could monetize and make a living doing this. And I told myself, I'm like two months into this decision, but I told myself I'm like, all right, in six months, let's reevaluate. Cause I just looked at my finances. I'm like, can I do it? I'm like, well, there's a good chance that I could, you know, I have to live on the streets. I'm just kidding. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> Chris has my back. <laughs> Whoa. And, uh, and, um, but I just said like in six months, let's reevaluate and see where we're at. And, um, so that's what I did. And then, you know, I'm now, now what my day looks like is like, it's full-time either content creation. I mean, yes. And it's full-time content creation and it's full-time training. And so that's what, you know, and that's like, I'm so grateful and lucky I had the opportunity to do that because so many people like even tell yeah. me like, oh, I wish I could do that. And I'm like, yeah, I am so lucky that I'm doing this right now. I'm grateful that it's a possibility. What's the split right now between content creation and training? Because we, we've talked, you know, a lot on this pod about content creation and, you know, your journey to get to where you are content creating. But obviously I think we know, and I think a lot of people out there know that, you are looking and trying to go pro. I mean, and you're playing and, and, pro. And you're playing pro yeah. right now yeah. as well. So how does that fit into, you know, your work day? And are you focusing more on content creation? Or are you focusing more on training? Like yeah. what, what are you prioritizing right now? Or what, the, what is the percentage split? Okay, let me say it's probably uh, 60-40 training to content, content creation. Okay. And and that's, I mean, you're putting me on a spot to give you a percentage. I think that's somewhat accurate. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of crazy because we just talked about content. You kind of hear our passion, all three of us, for yeah. content. And I do love content. And I'd say, though, I love playing more. Yeah. You know, I I made a shift in my my mindset over Christmas break. I've been training for a long time. And, like, and I have a newsletter that I write. I kind of write about the journey every week on it. Um, and in it, I've just I've looked back and read some of the old articles and I'm shifting and I'm always writing about like how do you practice smarter? And I like was, I was writing about practicing smart like six months ago, but I realized I was kind of practicing dumb, you know, cause you only know what you know at the time yeah. and, and you don't know what you don't know. Um, and it's, it's like the whole thing, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Yep. You're like, Oh, I thought I was doing that well. Then I heard somebody else talk about how they did it. Now I'm like, I'm an idiot. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say since we've played and drilled together and you know done videos together, I will say that out of all the people that I've played with or against, like you have a very interesting style and I think you are the most comfortable, like when you're stretched out wide, which mm. I find very fascinating. Oh, interesting. Like, I mean, most people when they're stretched out, I mean, obviously, you know, you're tall and you know, you have reach and I'm going to make a guess that that comes from you playing basketball, like <laughs> all these years. I just feel like your body control yeah. um, uh, when you're far outstretched and your skills right there, your dexterity is pretty impressive. Thank you. Thank you. I would say. I, well, I, I just watch, I honestly, I watch a ton of JW and I watch a ton of Ben um, because I think their balance is two of the best. Yeah. And you rarely catch either of them off balance. Yeah, and their so, movement. In their movements, in their positioning. And, and that's what a lot of things I'm trying to work on right now. Like into your question about split, and let me share the shift. Over the Christmas break, I was like, I like training more. I mean, I like, I, I like, I think I like competing more because people ask me this question all the time. Like, what's yeah. this, you know, I, I, I like training, um, 
more than I like content if I had to be put on the spot, but not by much. I love content, I love storytelling. And the shift I made was I'm gonna now build my days around training first, content second, which just three or uh, maybe two months ago or before the break, it was content first. I'd wake up at six or whatever and I'd edit and and make me come up with ideas and do videos and then I would figure out when to train. But now I I schedule, you know, I'm gonna train on Tuesdays and Thursdays with Craig and then I'm gonna, maybe I'll, then I'm gonna go work out or whatever and then I'm gonna do content. Um, Maybe I'll sit at Lifetime Fitness and do stuff for like three or four hours and then I'll go practice again. And so right now my, my day typically looks like I'll wake up and, and I'll do some type of drilling. Um, it's seven or eight, I'm also like a super early riser. I go to bed early and I'll wake up at like four. I love mm-hmm. that. So it's just like, but I'll go to bed at like eight or eight thirty. So I wake up <laughs> at like four and I'll, I'll do more of me and <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I just, I, that's where I, that's where I, like my mind is the sharpest and it's different for people. Of course, like, yeah, you stay up late and I just can't do that. I'm like, I'll be sharper at 4am. So I'll get up and do like three hours in the morning uh, or two hours, just kind of depending a couple uh, probably three times a week. I wake up at four to four thirty. And then the rest, I'll probably wake up at like six and not do any work in the morning. Um, mm. And then like this morning, I woke up at 5.30. I worked for maybe an hour and 15. I went to train from 7.15 to nine. Um, and then typically on Thursday, I came here to do this. Typically I'll go work out for like 30 or 45 minutes. And then I go home and I'd work for like three hours. Um, and then I'd probably go play a game that afternoon okay. or drill again. So that's kind of the, that's kind of, or do yoga or something. Break, like yeah. my, 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 I'm really training like, and, and like if Ignatowicz was sitting right here, I could just hear him. He's like, and you're still not that good, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, but, uh, but that's kind of what it looks like. Cause I'm just having so much fun doing it. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of which before, I guess, uh, this podcast too long. I want to ask one. Oh, we're going, no, this is a, this is a Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> no, people, people are like, keep talking, right? <laughs> he, he, he's taking over the pot. This actually will be, I, this podcast is going to be an experiment. So if you guys made it this far, you let us know. I want to know what people feel about long episodes because there are definitely episodes I I could see going long with certain people. I knew this one was going to be long. I'm just curious what people, you know, what how are valuable limits? they find well, it. What are the limits? People, I mean, I've read a great tweet. It's like long form. I used to do like, I would write sales copy for um, the company I was working for where sales copy is like, you're writing an email with the intent of um, like selling a product. Right. And I was like, kind of, and, and one of the things that sales copy is like short form sales copy or long form, which converts better and gets people to, to buy the product. And now the product that I was helping to promote was this camp and I believed deeply in the product. So all I was doing was like telling the benefits and the outcomes that you would get from going and to the a camp. And the length was the length. And, 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 and so the, the, I mean, I think you go back to the history of advertising and you look at like different advertisers, long form copy does, well actually long form copy typically does better than short form copy. Now that was in the past and you could argue, someone could be listening to this as a marketer that's like, well, our attention spans are different. Sure, sure, sure. However, we sit down and watch a two and a half hour movie. We sit down and binge Netflix for eight hours. We sit down and listen to a Joe Rogan podcast for three hours. Like it really, at the end of the day, it's not the content. If the content's good, people will listen. listen. If the content sucks, they'll get out. People are probably, there's no one listening right now. (laughs) (laughs) I knew he was going to say that. (laughs) You were going to say it. I was going to say it. So anyway, that's just, I want to make that point. So I mean, I would, but I would be curious to know what people think because, um, I mean, yeah, if it's people stop listening, they didn't know who Kyle was and they're like, I don't know this guy. I mean, if you, I mean, if you don't enjoy, if you didn't enjoy content at the beginning, I mean, hopefully you're getting to this part now. Well, well, that's, what, that's what I'm most curious about is because we almost did this backwards where we didn't start with the thing that most pickleballers would be interested in. I think some will be interested in the content stuff, but you know, obviously yeah. we can always, I mean, we can always do an intro and like, and say, Hey, just so you know, we're going to talk about content. It's super funny. True. And, I could do that. Um, it's your podcast. So yeah, yeah. don't, don't take my podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit about pickleball now because I think an interesting question is because now that you're playing some of, you know, the pro brackets or whatnot, yeah. what is the difference 
right now? Like, what do you see as the biggest difference? Like, what is so tough about playing some of these pros, okay. like, you know, in your eyes? Because you're right there. You're definitely better than us, like me and Chris right now. And um, I'm far better than Chris. But, like, what, <laughs> right. yeah, what is the difference? Like, what, what do you need yeah. to get to the next level and to find success? Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. It's just, everything's harder when you move up a level. You think you found, figured it out at 4.0. And then you go to four or five and you're like, oh, shoot. I don't know yeah. anything. Yeah, I don't know anything. And then, <laughs> and then, cause you're like telling your friends, like, this is how you have to play. And that doesn't work at four or five or whatever. Then you go to four or five, same thing, five oh, the game's faster or, or people are under control more. Um, and then you start playing pro events. And the first pro event I ever played was at the Atlanta Open. And I was like, I was so excited. I looked at the bracket the night before and playing Jesse Irvin um, and, and Kyle Yates. And I'm like, yo. And so I wrote a newsletter the night before. Uh, I think it came out because I think we were playing Friday. It went out Thursday night. I took a screenshot of the bracket and I wrote a newsletter predicting what was going to happen. I'm like, this is it's my first pro tournament. I just, uh, we're playing 5-0 mixed and we're going to be playing pro mix, we're playing pro mix on Friday, 5-0. Kind of wish it was the other way around. But anyway, so here we go. We're probably going to, it's going to be the upset of the tournament. Like there's no question about it. <laughs> Like, Did you actually say well, that? Well, I, I, I predicted. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I said, I was like, this is going to be the upset. And like, I'm going, like, because what else are you going to believe? Like, I'm going to go yeah. in and lose. Right, right? exactly. Then, yeah. I mean, your chances of winning go way down if you think yeah. that. So I go in and we're like warming up um, on center court. It's like an 8 a.m. match. And me and uh, playing with Jennifer Tavernier, just great player. I love playing with her. And uh, we're warming up. And then all of a sudden, Kyle and Jesse are there and they're warming up. And like, I'm still fresher and i kind of look at these players as like oh, like there's so this is amazing like i'm not looking at them as equals but still i had the prediction the night before so like we're definitely winning this match so they're going up and i try to like say hi to kyle and kyle's like what's up i try to say hi to jesse she's like she's so intense and focused she doesn't really talk to me and so i was like all right well i'm gonna crush her right so then <laughs> we're about to start the match but there's no refs so we're like what the heck all of a sudden they say hey your match is actually second on center <laughs> like we've been warming up for 20 minutes getting ready to go so we step off and like Catherine Prento is about to come on and Riley shows up late. He's playing like Kusmider and, and uh, maybe Salome or somebody else. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. um, and so Riley shows up. He like does one stretch and he goes out there and they just like, they win or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, so that's how you, that's how you become the best. You just show up late. <laughs> show up, show up late, late, do one stretch. Do one stretch. <laughs> I think they went down like two, six or something, but they came back. And so now we're sitting watching and then we go back on court to start. And again, predictions in my head. I'm like, we are winning this. Like, come on, we're going to win this match. There's like, it's center court 9 a.m. or 8.30 whatever time it was. And there's not that many fans, but I'm still feeling nervous because that center court at Atlanta is like yeah. kind of daunting. Yeah. Um, and we go out there and we lose 11-0-11-0. Just as eyes, I predicted. Just as I predicted. So I didn't write a newsletter for three weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but, but, but then, uh, here's the learning from it. Like what was the hardest thing about that match? Well, I remember I walked away from that match and I was like, wow, it was really hard to get to the kitchen. Oh, wow. They sped up every ball at us that they could right and those were two things that i learned from that first pro match and those still those two things actually still apply very much at the pro level where if you, and I, I actually played against riley and jesse last weekend um and then i played against riley and matt the next day i'll talk about that in a second but getting to the kitchen is very difficult at that highest level and, and like it gets it gets more difficult the higher you go but like what do you have to do? Well, you have to hit a decent third. Well, okay, say you don't have a decent third, which is fine. Well, number one, you need to miss it high, so you have a chance because you miss it into the net, points over. Yeah. Right. And then you, the next thing is you got to be good in transition, so you got to be able to hit a fifth, so or and like hit a reset ball into get get up to the kitchen. You're not going to win a lot of points against you know Riley and Matt or Kyle and Jesse being at the baseline where they're both at the kitchen, mm -hmm. right? And so we couldn't get to the kitchen, and there was quick side outs, and then we had. 
like the occasional, I mean, we, I think we got a few side outs on their serve. Cause I mean, it's easier cause you know, we're returning, we're at the yeah. kitchen line, but even still what happened when we were returning is, you know, if you don't return it deep, you get punished. All right. They're going to rip the ball at you. So people are like, how do you beat these bangers? Well, the number one thing to beat a banger is actually to return the ball deep, which is something I'm working on a lot right now is getting better at returns. Yeah. And so if you, if you're trying it short, you just, it's a, it's teed up for them. And then especially in like, if you're playing, your partner's getting crushed, right? So if you hit a, a short return, they're going to rip it at your partner. They're going to rip it at you coming in. It's more difficult, but let's say I, I hit a good return or we hit a good return. Well, they're still, they're getting to the kitchen every time because yeah. right? they're really good in transition. But then when you get to transit, when you get to the kitchen, now it's like a, it's, it's like, that's game one. Do you get to the kitchen? So they got to the kitchen. That's yeah. like win one. Phase one. Phase one. Then phase two would be like, okay, now what happens at the kitchen? <clears throat> and what happened in that match, and it's happened in a bunch of pro matches where I've, I've played against Riley a few times. Now I'll talk about that. But if they have any type of dead dink, and a dead dink is a ball that sits a little bit, right? It sits a little high yeah. or it's soft. and it can Not a lot of spin. Not a lot of spin. They have time and they have uh, space to make a decision. That ball is being sped up at you. Right, because and here's why. Number one, because that's well, that's what they're going to do a lot of times against any newer pro or anybody they don't they don't think belongs because they don't want to be playing some long forty five minute match in round one. They want to just get off the court, rest their legs because they're playing, you know, like Riley and Jesse. They're going to be playing Anna Lee and Ben later, yeah. right? So they're like, let's get this over with. And they're saying, I have better hands than you. That's like their mindset, right? So that happened with Jesse and Kyle. And then I played, you know, Riley and Matt, and it's still a, it's still a challenge for me right now. Um, you know, in the Masters, uh, this was a few weekends ago or last weekend, but depending on when you listen to this, where uh, we we win, me and Jennifer, we played again. We got to the qualifiers. We won three matches, tough matches. Like we won our third qualifier match in in three games, like twelve ten against like Moo. I don't know if you guys know Moo and um, Jenna Clett. And like they're great players. It was a tough match. So we had to get there at seven. This is like this new format PPA has where you got to, if you're entering pro and you're not a PPA player or like somebody that just kind of gets into the main draw, you show up at 7 a.m. I'm not sure if this is how it will be all year, but it is right now. Show up at 7 a.m. You play two or three qualifier matches, depending on, you have to win them all. So me and Jennifer played three matches. I think there was like 20 something teams. I think two got out. Okay. So we got out of the qualifiers. That was an accomplishment. And then you get rewarded by either playing Ben and Anna Lee or Riley and Jesse or whoever Riley's playing with. And um, so we got to play them. And it was similar. Like, we had trouble getting to the kitchen. Here's the other thing. Here's why it's so hard to get to the kitchen. One, if you hit a high third, it's obvious. They're just, like, pounding it at you, right? But let's say you hit a, a pretty good third that your third shot drop is a little, like, high, but it bounces. Well, Riley is one of the best at, at applying pressure on his fourth shot. So he hits a serve. I hit my, um, or excuse me. I hit sorry. I hit my serve. He hits a return. Now you my drop. I drop it. Now his fourth shot is he's trying to take it out of the air if he can. But if he can't, he's gonna up, he's gonna keep you back as long. So he's gonna make you hit a, a difficult fifth, and that's a much different thing than five zero. Hmm. On his fourth, what is is it? Is it the placement of it? Is it the speed of it? Is it yeah. both? You nailed it. You know what I mean? like, but it. it is it's like and, and it's but riley's so good i mean he's like arguably the best player in the world him and ben probably are so he's picking a great spot um and if you're off balance you're done because you're either hitting into the net out or it's or you pop it up. up um and and it's not always power like pickleball is so much about placement you know and but me and Craig were talking about it. I got a chance to play um rec with Anna Lee a few days ago she's <laughs> uh, she was in town for the major league pickleball and we played, I mean, she smokes the ball. And so you think of her as like someone just smokes it, but there's a lot of times where she doesn't smoke it like a speed up. She just hits it in a great spot. Yeah. Right? And then she smokes the next ball. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I'm, I'm learning is so many things to learn. How do you apply pressure on your fourth, but also then in transition. And so mm-hmm. if I could 
encapsulate all this. And the same thing happened the next day when I played with this guy named Michael Lloyd, he's an unbelievable player. We played out tournaments together. Um, and we played, we made it through qualifiers. And then we played Matt and Riley and like speed up every ball. Um, you know, it's hard to get to the kitchen. I wasn't dropping very well. And also you're just nervous. You're playing like one of the best teams in the world. It's, yeah. Your drops are gonna be a little bit. So there's, there's a component of that. So what am I learning? Well, I'm learning one, um, I'm really working on returning the ball better. And number two, I'm, I'm always working on transition, mm. right? And then, because if you can't even get the transition, you're, you can be practicing dinks all day, <laughs> whatever. Right? Yeah, you're you, not, didn't, you didn't get to hit a dink. Yeah. Right? You can be practicing like the Yates speed up all day, whatever. Yeah. Right? You can be practicing your speed ups and your hand speed all day, whatever, yeah. right? Because you're never gonna get there. Of course, it might work some on the return because you're already at the kitchen, but I'm working on those things. And then the other thing is just like belief. Um, I'll tell you one more story. I was playing at, at Newport with uh jen tavernier again and this was last year and we uh, who do we play in the first round um in the first round we played gosh i I can't who did we freaking play we lost our first round against played thomas and leia in the second oh okay we played colin and sierra colin johns and sierra gate and leach two good players right and i went down like one six we ended up losing like uh, like eight and eight and nine um and then they uh that was a good like a good loss we were like oh we played them pretty well those are two mm-hmm. good players right yeah. so i got a little confidence but in before that match i woke up that morning and i was just like f them everybody i'm just like f them i'm just like <laughs> screw it because i how are we ever going to beat anybody if you don't believe you're going to beat them and I, I think to get to the highest level you still got to start to believe that and i'm trying to work on my belief right now because my behaviors i believe are, are pretty right my behaviors are i'm going to wake up i'm going to train i'm going to try to keep my body right i'm going to watch a lot of film because i love the game just i just love studying it um but my belief has to be better and that's what i'm trying to like work on that belief the next match we played thomas uh, Wilson and Leah Jansen and again I'm like I'm friends with Thomas he's like one of the great guys in pickleball and we get on the court and I didn't really talk to him much I said what's up to him and then I didn't talk because I'm like I'm friends with him I'm this content guy people are like oh what's up right but most people don't know I play a lot so I'm just in my head I'm like F him F him I'm a shum what's up and like Thomas is one of the like, nicest guys in pickleball right yeah. and so and the, and the good news was Thomas and Leah just come off a tough match so we're like let's go let's go so we get up on him we're up 11-6 mm. and uh, we end up but we end up losing 15-11 Right, and we were up eleven six, and like, in for a time, like Jennifer was playing out of her mind. I was playing like great hands, and like she's resetting everything. We're at the kitchen, we're getting to the kitchen, and and we're better players than them at this point, and like in this game, right? Yeah. And but then they were calm. They did their thing. I mean, I don't know if we really believe we could win because that whole tournament was like the tournament of almost where we lost. And then the, in the next day, we played men's, we played Whitestone, and we played. And I'll finish on this. We played Whitestone, and we played. Um, uh, Brandon French and we lost 11-5 in the third right and again like I don't know I mean I think we believe we could win but did we really and then the final one was um the next match we played Hayden Patrick Quinn and Julian Arnold and we were up um I think we were up like 12-7 or something right and we end up losing 15 and you know, Julian starts on diamoling and stuff and so at that <laughs> that's moment, how you know you've made it oh that's right I made it and so and we end up losing 15-12 and again the the almost so like this belief so if I had to summarize into three things it's like you know, how's your transition game? Can you get to the kitchen? Um, and, and maybe it's just really, that's one of the main things. Can you get to the kitchen and can you do things around the kitchen? And then, and like when I say do things, like create opportunities, opportunities. or just not not screw up, like not pop the ball up. Like at beginner levels, part of being a good beginner is actually just minimizing mistakes yep. because most beginners actually just give points away. The other team doesn't win that. They don't, yeah. If you want to be a better beginner player, um, just hit the ball back in the court more yeah. because everyone's ripping the ball as hard as they can. It's going into the net. It's going up into the sky. Just like work on hitting it to where they're not. Or I mean, honestly, to, even yeah. up to probably almost four or five. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how most of it, it is. It goes back to what I always thought and said. I think like four on below, it's whoever makes the most mistakes loses. Yeah. Four or five and up to maybe like five oh. 
whoever can capitalize on the most mistakes wins yeah. and then 50 plus it's whoever can create opportunities yeah. wins and, and that's and that's what I've, I've been noticing at, at the pro level as well so so i i wrote an, i'm writing a, a newsletter about this right now actually which is just like my improvement flatlining and just trying to figure out what's next i yeah. think we all are trying to do that yeah and i still think i'm a little ways away but i i see there's potential and i mean my goal is like to be a top 50 player um, by the end of the year. That's just kind of a vision I have for myself. Who knows mm-hmm. if that's, but, but all I can do, I can have that, I can say those words, but all I can do is wake up every day and, and, and try to work to become that thing. Yeah. Right? And then see what happens at the end of it. Yeah, well, that work and consistency yeah. turns into belief, you're like, my, eventually. You're, right? my, you're my coach. <laughs> what, what do you think right now has been the most frustrating part of either playing in these pro tournaments or even just the training? Because while I haven't had it, I've maybe had it once or twice in pickleball on the content side of things. I think just the nature of doing something over and over and over so much all the time, like pickleball consumes my life now. Like basically almost my whole day of being awake is pickleball. Like I've had, you know, a small burnout period and it was like very frustrating. Have you had that with the training yet where it's like, this is more frustrating than it is fun in this moment? No. Not, not once? No. Really? No. Wow. I'm actually impressed. I, I get I get mad all the time, but yeah. I'm not. But I, I'm not. I, I love it. Like yeah. I love I love trying to get better. You know. Yeah. And I mean I, I was so mad this morning. I, I I just like lost focus for ten minutes and I couldn't make a ball. Yeah. And that was so aggravating. But I zoom out and I'm like, no, no, this is fun. Yeah. Because getting better at anything is hard. Yeah. You know, like getting better at speed cubing was hard. Getting yeah. better at videography was hard. But I mean, then you try to acquire the skill, and then at some point, I mean, nobody has quit to be, I mean, sometimes it's the right time. You should quit and do something else because maybe you don't love it. But I, I know I love this thing and I know what I want to get out of this thing. If I quit, I'd regret that. Yeah. Or if I just stop, but I know that if I stick with it, it's like my friend would always say this, this line he heard from somebody. He's like, everything's every, all good things are on the other side of hard, you know? So it's like, just get through the hard. Or like, there's a graphic I once saw where like this guy's like, like in a mine, he's like trying to get to this treasure and he just, he stops right there and it's like right on the other side and the other person goes through. It's like that just, it's in my head. I'm like, I don't know when that treasure, I'm going to get that treasure. Right. So, um, and then it's so much more satisfying when you get to that place. You're like, no, I went through the hard, but I mean, if you give up and you do love the thing, well, that's just, no one, no one looks back and says, I'm so glad I gave up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's times to give up on other things. You're like, this is a waste of time. It's not valuable. Then, I do yeah. think that's true though, because I've had Probably some of the most rewarding things I have done or some of the things that have led to the best things in my life, in career-wise at least, were very difficult. One of the, the very first documentary I ever did, did not want to finish it. I was like just very stuck in my own head, almost gave up many times, did that. That led to Netflix, which led to a bunch of other, like a TED Talk, led to a bunch of other things. Yada, Keep yada, humble yada. bragging. That led to ESPN. <laughs> that, that led to being a monumental figure in the world. And then all of a sudden, and, and, and that's how I made my first million. And that's, and that's how I control pickleball. <laughs> I do say Chris Olsen is the most influential man in pickleball. He does say that I every say all the time because this guy makes these powder reviews and like I look at the comments and people are just like taking this man's word. I mean, <laughs> as the gospel. And like pros watch this man's. Freaking, they do. They, they, because cause you, you do such a nice job and like you, you're honest about him and you like don't you don't pull punches which is awesome you know well i think that's what some of the pros have started to love is the bluntness which just really quick side note i think this is the funniest thing ever i tell will this all the time i you can't win when you're blunt or if you praise a paddle because if i pray it or praise it 
oh, they bought you out. If if you slam it, they're like, oh, you're a show for another company. Like it doesn't matter which way it goes. Like you're. A- I just think it's funny. Like I feel like I mean, this is probably not totally true, but I mean, it pretty much is. Chris could either like end a company, or he could, <laughs> or he could like build a company, be- yep. depending on how he feels about the paddle. <laughs> which is actually like I, I've actually had a concern. It's too much power for Chris. <laughs> like that's why we need you to continue. Ah. We need to continue like growing your 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 paddle views because. Uh, I mean, Chris doesn't know everything, but he kind of does. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, so, I'm here to keep Chris in check. You want to know what he told me last night? Who? And I felt will, will? <laughs> and I felt so freaking justified. Okay, the Legacy Pro is one of the like most gonna be one of the most popular paddles. It's incredibly good. Yes, so good. I kept saying this paddle hits so hard, and for the soft game, I have such a hard time controlling it. And he, the other, when he drilled with you, he was like, dude. Like I finally started to understand what you were saying about that. This is the first time I felt like I experienced some of those things were harder, and he realized it was the ball because I have been playing with Duras this whole time, and he had been playing with Franklin's. Franklin's. And so once he started playing with Dura, he kind of realized like, oh my gosh, this thing really is. A yeah, I, I can see why people are having a tough time, and I can also see why Chris is having a tough time. You know, not not only because he's three five at best, but right. also because right, yeah. of the ball. But also, um this was the first time because when I play and I, I test them, I, I play it in game, right? That's how people yeah. are mostly playing. They're not yeah. doing it for drilling or whatever. So when I was drilling with you and Jennifer yesterday, it was the first time we were like going at it, drilling and, and like being intense and yeah. serious about it. And I was like, okay, the, I have to really focus to like control this thing. And I was like, okay, if I'm having um, a tough time, like adjusting and and really making this paddle work, which I, I still can. But I was like, if I'm having issues, then like other people who are watching my videos and whatnot are probably having yeah. issues as well. Yeah. And and the whole reason I say this is because this one is a brag, <laughs> unlike the other stuff, which I did have a point. What? This, I, as soon as he said that, I was like, I knew I was right. I was like, <laughs> I, I know my stuff when I'm talking about paddles. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. Well, I never said you were wrong, though. Just to be no, fair. but a lot of people thought I was wrong. I mean, not yes. you so much. If you, but, tested, yeah. if you test, I mean, you always test with Duras? I... Uh, the ball kind of flip-flops a lot. Recently, it's just been Duras because of the upcoming tournaments. But because of this experience for both of us, I do think I'm going to be a little more intentional talking about probably what ball I was using or how it felt. I think you should because it, yeah, it, it makes it's, a big difference. I mean, I played yesterday um, with some people, in, and we were it was a couple people playing in MLP, so we were using uh, the Franklin because I switched yeah. to the Franklin for that because it's so cold in Phoenix. And um, it's just such a different game. Like It is. It was actually fun because – I mean, sometimes you play with a Dura and cold. It's a it's a very different game. Like it's, it's yeah. almost scary. It's like hard. I mean, you're ripping the ball because it's harder to block it. It's yeah. moving faster. It's if you play, um, and drops are harder. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. like I was playing with my friend Pesa, who was like, a, and he he like he rips the crap out of the ball. Pesa's yeah. so good. Pe- yeah. Pesa. Okay. Quick side note on Pesa. Pesa Tioni. I really do think he's like the most underrated player in pickleball because. And it's a travesty. Is that the right word, travesty? Dude is like probably one of the most athletic people He's in like all of pickleball. He's one athletic. of the best, fun, most people to watch. And also the most humble kid I've ever met. Like yeah. I look at his leg and I'm like, dude, that leg is bigger than my whole body. No, it, it's like, <laughs> like, and I'll, I, I feel Pesa is just um, under, I don't know what's the word, underlooked or uh, overlooked. Yeah, mm. he's aroundly looked. Okay. <laughs> um, no, he's he's like he's unbelievable hands. He has unbelievable power. He does these crazy things that, I, and I play with him all the time. He and he's a theater. lefty. He's a lefty. He's tricky, and he does things that I've just never seen other players do. And I, I mean, I just everyone in Phoenix knows Pesa because yeah, because Pesa is the the guy who, and he's also the guy who wants to do well. Yeah, and so um, 
I don't know. I think if it, I, I think you know with MLP, it's always tough. Like I don't know how all the players got selected or what they looked at, or you kind of maybe have to know people. I don't know all the situations. There's yeah. a lot of things going on, but like to me, I don't know all the players. But it's hard for me to believe how many players are in it. Forty-eight guys. Forty-eight. Yeah. It's hard for me to believe that there's forty-eight guys better than Pesa. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sure, now, sure. And if there no. is, like, why is that guy not an alternate? And it could be because people don't know him or whatever. But like, anyway, I just got. I'll put him on the map. I'll I'll chalk him to like a pros versus Joe's or something. He would beat yeah. you eleven to negative one. Okay, eleven he was, to he would, negative one. He would, he would take one away from you. That's, so. that's supposed to happen against me. Maybe not Will. <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. Basically, I mean, everyone. The last thing I'll say on this is he does this little backhand flick thing. It's just so stupid. Like we'll be playing, and he he's a lefty, so he plays on the right side all the time. But if you hit a dink that's kind of high. I can't even like. I mean, it's kind of like like JW has a good backhand flick. Ben has a good backhand, flick, but Pesa does this like weird thing that he hits the ball and you don't even move. Like he's just <laughs> you're just so surprised he hit it and you'll just like watch it in slow motion like go over your shoulder and you'll look back and it's like six feet in and you look <laughs> back at Pesa and he's so humble. He's like. I, it was lucky. <laughs> like, <laughs> shut up, Pesa. It wasn't lucky. Like, stop that. Yeah, that's the 3,000th time you've done it. Yeah. Is Pesa the guy who apologizes for hitting the net courts? Um, <laughs> not when he plays with me now, because now when Pace plays with me, he always looks at me and he goes, take that or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, I like him even more Pace now. knows that Kyle will just body bag you if you apologize. No, he didn't, yeah. If he like, yeah, he, I mean, he would if in a game, I think, but I'm trying to coach him out of it. So no, uh, no, that's great. I can't even remember what the, the original point was. Oh, I think, oh, we're just, oh, he is the Dura. He's in like, well, oh. I was just going to circle back all the way to you were saying too much power or whatever. And yeah. then I just had to laugh yeah. at him feeding my <laughs> ego. I'm like, look, look. You guys maybe don't want to take my advice on pickleball, on how to get better. I understand that. But if it was paddles, there are a few people on earth who, yeah. who, who, who might have hit as many paddles as I have. This yeah. is true. So, Fair enough. Yes, there may be a lot of power there. But, but hey, yeah. I try and use it wisely. You try and use it wisely, yeah. I mean, it's as, a, best, as best I possibly can. Paddlegate, man. Paddlegate. It's check real. A, check a recent episode. Yeah, I, check I the recent episode if you want controversy. That's funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's like... I mean, maybe there's a couple more things we could go over here, but I feel like it's covered a lot of like the main things I really wanted to talk about. Kyle, do you have anything else you thought was interesting or want to chat about? Who has the best backhand flick in the game? I mean, mm. probably JW. Uh, JW. Uh, JW's up there. I would also say Caden uh, Seward. He, I met him at minor league pickleball. I think he has a really good. Oh, I think I played rec with him one time. He has this very interesting thing where he holds the paddle, where the the point of the paddle face like is pointing towards his body. Most times it points towards the ground, right? When you do the flick, yeah. right? His, I feel like points towards his body and he just rotates it around and it is a thing of beauty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just it's funny because you watch like JW and you're like how does he move his wrist like that or like even Ben has that Ben AJ, yeah. AJ Kohler too AJ Kohler oh yeah, yeah AJ, AJ Kohler oh yeah true AJ just, AJ yeah, sorry you can't you can't yeah. knock AJ Kohler so so me and my friends are always like we just talk pickleball all the time so like get on the phone at like five at night one time I was talking to my friend Joe I literally drove thirty minutes the wrong direction I was so engaged in this third shot drop <laughs> third shot drop conversation <laughs> the GPS is like recalculating no I, recalculating. I, I, yeah yeah and so I, I pull in I'm like hey Joe I'm about to be at my house I pull into this this neighborhood and, and I'm like anyway so I think that's why a third shot drop is a good decision. <laughs> All right, talk to you later, Joe. And I pull, I'm like, oh, this isn't my house. I type in my address. It's 34 minutes away. I had just been driving for 30 minutes. I called Joe. I'm like, hey, Joe, you got 30 more minutes. <laughs> and so I was like, Let's, can we talk uh, That's how dinking, dinking, for, dinking lobs? Anyway, so, um, <laughs> but we're talking about, we like talk about this, these things like, how do you strengthen, how do you get a backhand flick like JW? So I've been like working on forearm strength and like just like wrist mobility and stuff. And so I'm like looking for anything. Like the other day, I was, uh, we were in the Masters and we were looking up Google, like, how do you get 
get faster in hand speed and like one of the for hand speed it was like it was like stop drinking caffeine there was like a list of 17 it was like get better sleep it was like i was like eat oreos there's all these different things right so we were like we were just messing with them and then we were talking about backhand flicks and like i had this actually i have this thing i just happened to have it right here because i didn't know we were going to talk about this (laughs) (laughs) anyone listening they're like this part's just pointless no it's not it's it's called like i'll I'll verbalize it's called uh, um is gyro or gyro one minute gyro ball yeah gyro so basically it's like my friend craig has this and you like i'm like you basically just spin this thing with your wrist and you kind of you can hear it a little bit probably yeah they can definitely hear it they can hear it right they can definitely hear it and it's just like you do it for long enough and it like really starts to strengthen okay and it helps grip strength so i've been doing oh i see so there's a counterweight inside inside the ball and it speeds up so i've been doing this every single day okay and i i I am feeling it i'm doing like some farmers carries type stuff at the gym where you like holds like 70 pound dumbbells and walker. I mean, anything to get a better backhand. Flick. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. Oh, this is, this is pretty tough. It's tough. It, it, it really makes These are f- probably cheap on Amazon. It's like 15 it's bucks. Yeah. I don't have an affiliate Ooh, link, but yeah, if I did. with that. Yeah, that was, uh, I definitely mean to take my finger off. Well, so, so Craig was like, he's like, Hey man, you just got to keep that in your car. And it's like when you're driving. So I have it in my car all the time and I'm just like doing forearm strength and this stuff. Cause I, and I do it on both hands. Cause I don't want to have like a massive right forearm and like a, that actually like, happened to my brother. Yeah. He, he was like almost a pro bowler. His right forearm is massive and his left. Well, one it's, is, and it's crazy how that is like, I don't know if that's like a bad thing for your body, but like, it just seems not right. So like, make sure you get, you know, on the left too. Yeah. Do it on, do it on both. <laughs> but though, so, so, so here's the last thing though. My buddy Luke, um, I was telling him about pickleball and he was like, yeah, well, what are you working on? I'm like, well, I'm not trying to get a better backhand flick. He's like, well, how do you do that? I'm like, well, you need like good forearm strength strength, wrist mobility, and he goes, have you ever done, what's it called, oh, Wing Chun, and Wing Chun, the martial like, arts, yeah, it's like a martial, it's like a specific martial art, that you don't use weapons for it, it's like, um, I, I don't know a ton about it, but he was explaining it, it's, it's like hand combat, but it's yeah. like a defense, I think, isn't it the uh, martial arts that Bruce Lee's master used, I think, potentially, yeah, I think, yeah we, could, we could look it up, okay, no, but you guys look at it right now, but, <laughs> but, but, I might look but, it but up, so, so here's, he's like, he's like, it's a form of Wing Chun, and so, um, he goes, let's do it with me right now, Okay, so if you're listening to this, if you're watching, I'll kind of show it to you. If you're listening, I'll just verbalize. But basically, you uh, you stand up and do it, but I'll just do it sitting down because we're at a, at a table. And you kind of tilt your feet inward. What do you call this? Uh, like, um, like when people walk like this? Uh, I don't know what it's called. Okay, but you have but like, your bow legged. Yeah, bow legged a little bit. Like your feet are inward. And I don't remember why he said this. But yeah, I was just doing what he said. So he said, do this. And then what you do is you stick both your arms straight out in front of you. And you guys want to do this with me or no? Yeah, I'll okay, do it with you. Everyone's and, doing this. And okay. real quick, I did look it up. And yeah, it is the uh, martial arts. I don't know if it was invented, but it was popularized by Bruce Lee's master Ipman. Okay. And it's for close combat. Have you ever seen those old close, kung, close combat? Have you seen those old kung fu movies where they have like the wooden doll with the sticks moving out yep. and they're doing like the the quick hand movements and like yeah. pushing out and pushing the wrist away? That's that's okay. Wing Chun. So and so it's like and so he was saying this was like one of the training methods. Feet are together. They're oh, excuse me. Feet are together and they kind of point toward. You have both your hands out in front. Okay. And what you're going to do is, and if you're just listening right now, basically our arms are, are right out in front of us, and your hands are open like as wide as you can make them. And then what you're going to do is go ahead and close your hands as tight as you can. So we'll just do like 15 reps right now. But like if you do 50 of these, we're going to do three different things. It's so hard. So you open, close, open, close. You're doing it for 15 reps as fast as you can. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Arm straight. Cut to our facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how many reps. Okay, stop. Okay. Oh, it's it's so painful. And that actually arms. does burn. It's so painful. And then the second one is you um you have your hands like straight out. Your hands are open, and then you're basically uh you just go watch this on the YouTube channel. But also <laughs> you're gonna like your wrist. Your hands gonna go down while the other hand goes up, down, up, down, up, and you're only gonna count. Oh, it's like a flipper. One, two. Should do fifteen, three like okay. this as far as you can. Like you're kinda, swimming. You're oh, like swimming. You're like we look so awkward. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> is this, this is how I fought with my brother when I was younger. <laughs> we slapping. look so dumb. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> 
Like, look, look, it is. I can't. I hope this is the hook of the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> so then that's the second one, and the third one is you turn your hands kind of like uh, nice. I don't even know how to say this out loud. Again, just go watch the YouTube on vertical, this. the vertical ish. <laughs> then you're gonna go down up. 15, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay. But I think oh, the key is that I your can, hands are your yeah, arms have to be stretched straight. out. You do yeah. not want your arms to be bent. You want them straight. Yes. Right? Straight like this. And so anyway, he's like, do 50 of these. So I did 50 on all three sets, and and I he's like, feel my forearm. I've been doing this, and I felt his forearm, and I was like. Oh my gosh! There's no chance JW's forearm is anything like your forearm, and so then I'm like, I'm gonna start doing this. So between this like gyro ball, doing like hangs, where I just hang at a bar at the gym and like pick up seventy. I was picking up seventy pound dumbbells the other day. I'm just standing there. I did like sit stand there for sixty minutes holding these dumbbells, and people are just looking at me, and I'm just like nodding my head to them. Like, wait, what are you, what are you doing? Are you gonna use those? I'm like, I am using them, <laughs> and like doing this like this Wing Chun like training, and so it's all because people are like, what do you do all this for? It's like. The backhand flick, baby. It's off of the backhand <laughs> flick. And so at some point, someone's going to see me do a backhand flick and it's going to be sick because I'm not there yet. I'm like, I'm, I'm probably going to be there a few months. People and, are probably going to look at this or hear this now, laugh, and then they're going to see you on the tour just hit the nastiest flick, like pelt someone in the chest, yes. probably put them on the ground, and yeah. they're like, I'm going to edit a montage. And then after, I'm going to put cut to this. No, oh, I'm going to cut to this, but then I'm also going to cut to like Bruce Lee or Hipmon practicing on a wooden doll. And then oh. I'm going to, and I'm going to put your face <laughs> On it, it was like this is how Kyle I mean, trades for fast hey, games. Hey, listen, listen. Other pros, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give out. I mean, I think some of it's natural. I probably for some <laughs> people, like, so like some people have wrist mobility, like unbelievable wrist mobility. Yeah, so I think I, who knows if it's natural or it's worked on. But I'm like, I know it's not natural for me, so I'm just decided I'm gonna make it like happen. Yeah, because I'm like that backhand. I mean, Anna Bright said the other day, she's like, I've been working on my backhand flick. She said that on a, on yep. a, a podcast or something, and I'm like, yeah, like it's a great shot. It's really hard to read when somebody, especially when you're playing the left, if they miss a dink slightly high you see Ben do it all the time right he like kind of flicks it at the right shoulder yep. and it's just like so hard to guard so unless you're playing a left you like pace and then he sticks it back in your chest and you're welted for two weeks but anyway <laughs> <laughs> but yes no I think I think that's interesting I actually do need to work on that because I recently I've just found with certain backhand things it probably is just a, a forearm wrist thing but like I just don't feel like I get the the power out of it I want and for a while I thought it was a shoulder thing could be both. Who knows? I'm not that big. Well, it's, like a, it's a different shot, I think. I think like sometimes it's a high ball, and you do want to like generate top spin while you also have like a, a shoulder swing to yeah. put the ball away. Yeah. But this is more like the ball's not high enough for you to hit like a like a, like a backhand overhead. Right. You know yeah. I mean, right. the ball's lower because you want to generate so. That's what JW does, or, or AJ and AJ might have the most top spin. He generates so much top spin. And the ball's not, it's, it is hard, but it doesn't have to be super hard. It's so much topspin that you have to like short hop the ball because it's hard to pick have up. Have you ever asked him what um, he does? Yeah, I asked him actually the other, the other day and uh, I can't tell you what he told me. Oh, that yeah, seems but, reasonable. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's uh, you know, because these, these guys don't want to share their secrets. And um, You're still in that pro stage where you don't realize that you shouldn't share these things for no, yourself. You know what, <laughs> I, do have, I do have one belief on that. It's like... Because it was one of those things I worked this this one job where like let's not share everything with this company that's coming in because they might steal from us. Well, okay, I do think there's validity to it for sure. But I was like, let's share everything because then they'll feel they'll they'll understand how hard it was to get to the place that we're at, and they probably won't do it anyway, right? So I, I think with training, I, I get it. Like you don't want to maybe teach some strategy things because people might steal. Is that what we just did with the content? Did we just scare every? We gave it all away and we scared them off. No, because it's no. It's actually so easy. Or we like, for them. the content, yeah. For the content, just make one video. That's your assignment. If you want to make content, you make one video and, you're, and then see how it goes. And don't make it. You have a one hour window. You make one video. You edit it in cap cut on your phone. It's free. Just go do it and don't get caught up in everything. Like, that's that's the homework. And I think, um, but for this this like my thought is, you could share. You could learn. You could listen to every Kobe Bryant. 
video on his training, but do you think other guys were going to go train like Kobe? No, like, no, no he's going to wake up at four. He's going to train. He's going to wake up at, he's gonna go back at 10. He's going to get back at two. He's going to break the game down. And you can know the secrets, but like, I learned this lot. Like the greatest distance in the world is the distance between knowing something and doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I know I shouldn't be, you know, eating ice cream nine days a week and I don't, I eat it. It's eight days a week, right? <laughs> but, but like, but, but you still do like, you know, you're supposed to eat healthier, but you don't, you know, you're supposed to work out more, but you don't, you should drill things that are happening most in games, but you don't, you only play, I like, guess that's what you want to get better at. So that's my thought is like, yeah, share whatever you want. I'll share everything. And um, except for AJ's backhand flick secret. Well, <laughs> uh, actually, I don't think he told me. <laughs> okay. I actually never even met AJ. <laughs> <laughs> that I know is not true. <laughs> well, Kyle, this is a really fun episode. You may have taken the cake for longest episode. Maybe. No. You actually, Shay's might still be longer, but. How long was his? No. His was over two hours. I think our, our podcast on the paddles. No. How long no. have we been going? That, I thought that was like oh, two no, hours. No, you're right. 30. You're right. That was two and a half. You're right. That exactly. is long. Have we been going for a while? Uh, we're at probably about two hours. Well, I mean, let's go. I want, I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> this so is somebody's competitor in him. This is where I get to control. Somebody is in the car right now, like, please stop. I'm almost <laughs> to my destination. <laughs> or like, it's like the kids have to go to bed. I don't have any time. I want to watch a different show now. If, no. if you, they weren't at their destination. They went 30 minutes past their destination. I have to turn back, and now they want to hear the extra <laughs> Wait, 30 minutes you, we're going to talk. And you know, uh, uh, sorry, Chris, we can't end. But last thing, no. Um, uh, what's the what's the uh, really popular NPR? NPR had this yes. thing. I read a thing that said um, we one of their podcasts. Like, we try to make a podcast. We call it the the driveway conversation because we want the podcast to be so good that when someone's on their way home from work, they get home and they sit in their driveway to listen to the rest of the podcast because one, they don't want to hear the screaming kids yet, but two, <laughs> they they want to. It's so good they have to hear the end of the pod because they just love it so much. And so, while I know that nobody else is still listening to us right here, they've gone way inside and deleted this one. <laughs> I, I want that for you guys. <laughs> you let us know if you made it to the end of this. Like I don't know, you might you might get a treat or you something. Have to say, and I was like, yeah, I'm impressed. Hashtag and no hashtag overtime. Put 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 in the comments. Hashtag overtime. There you go. I'm just trying to see if my video is going viral, but it's not. Back to that video from the very beginning. Nice. <laughs> we didn't go viral. That's good. <laughs> I was right again. <laughs> All right. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Peace out. <laughs>